Welcome to Wisco Dice. Welcome to Wisco Dice. Brian, <laughs> I do that way better than you do, buddy. Yeah, that was a pretty lackluster one on my part. You know, last time you were so excited, now you're... Was I? Well, maybe it was a time before that. I don't know. Anyways, we have the Conzi <laughs> with the most in the studio today, and who else we have here? Stark Raving Matt is here. All right. How's it been, Brian? Cool. I didn't have a bout last night, so that's a plus. No roller derby <laughs> for a weekend? That's yep. that's amazing. It's been pretty nonstop for you lately, hasn't it? A little bit. Just our shows have fallen right after. <laughs> Perfectly them, scheduled. Is rough, but yeah. I, I think we should talk to the scheduling department, maybe have a guy <laughs> canned in that department, huh? <laughs> I don't know. It worked out this time, though. It's on a new leaf. He will be sacked. <laughs> All right. Anyways, so we're going to go ahead and uh, talk a little bit about Bretonia today, is I think my understanding, right? Yeah. Those cool night guys, man. Knights. Knights and peasants. And All right. And All that. I'm getting kind of excited for the edit for this because I'm going to have to throw in a bunch of Monty Python and the Holy Grail, <laughs> Grail bits now. That would be excellent. A Grail? It's going to be excellent. All right. So what's been going on, buddy? Uh, anything been going on neat lately, gaming-wise, hobby-wise? Uh, quite a little bit. I think it's been a little bit since we recorded last time. Two well, or three weeks. You had to have played some Warhammer since then, right? Yeah. I th- I don't even remember how many games I've played. Probably two. Holy cow. I don't know. Out at the square on Tuesday nights, I played Dustin last week. He was on our terrain show uh, against his gobbles, and it was seemed very back and forth. It's hard to tell with a random goblin army, but we fought to like a dead draw. So that Dust, was pretty du- cool. Yeah, Dustin's got a really unique. Uh, All of his armies are pretty army, unique, right? but yeah, his goblins are pretty awesome. He's Lots putting... of spiders, and he did a lot of work converting a lot of different models and everything. They look pretty crazy. No, he's got a. He was running a. At 2,000 points, he's got a wyvern in there. Yep. And like a block of 10 or 12 spider riders. Yep. Is that where, is he putting uh, his BSB in that unit still, right? Um, He was, but for our game, there was no reason to put him in there. He kept him out to just kind of get the BSB on the rest of his army. So okay. he just sat behind the lines because I didn't have anything to thread him back to there. So shoot him I was playing my vamps. So, yep. And then he's got, what else is he? He's got like oh. a normal unit of goblins, a common goblins he actually is in there with like three nasty skulkers, which you never see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I ran into that unit. There was, he also had a unit of night goblins also. So he had yeah. one of each. And then there was like, uh, I think there was some kind of goblin boss on a giant spider, gigantic spider, whatever they're okay. called. He doesn't have an arachnorock in there yet. He seems kind of excited to add those at some point. Um, but he did have from the Storm of Magic, I guess. I've never actually seen it before, but like a uh, rampaging the Idol of Idol Gork of Gork or, whatever, or something yeah. like that. So that yeah, was kind of interesting. Uh, the, there's a Monstrous Arcana or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I guess think, that's from what Forge it was. World. Yeah, yep. I was surprised he based that on the. I guess there's a, a small base, a chariot base version of the thing. Yeah, it's on a like, chariot base. He you was know, I looked at it. I'm like, wow, that thing's really tiny. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty small compared to most of the armies. But it was fighting like horizontal on a chariot base, so its sure. frontage was actually the long side. But my race went and gave it a hug, which they like hug. doing to big monsters. That's their favorite. So <laughs> it wasn't too exciting. Apparently, it just charges anything in sight too. So you just kind of put it on the table, and it goes smash things. <laughs> but it just ran into the race, so. So that, you know, it was kind of a unique goblin list. And what, what are you running in your uh, vampires lately? Oh, uh, this was a 2,000-point game. I don't think I've really talked about my new list yet. I changed it up a little bit. I'm mostly running a big horde of uh, 40 ghouls. I uh, have a general in there, just a vamp lord, level 3, I think he is. And then I also have a White King BSB 
and then I have lots of zombies. Uh, I only start with two units of 25, and then there's a million of them by the time I'm like raising in the game, which is fun. I actually need to model some more at some point when I get the chance to devote some time to more zombies, because zombies are awesome. My zombies are the best to set fighting, too. <laughs> and uh, the unit of five race, there's a banshee in there. I have a lone banshee character. What else do I got? I got a Vargolf, and... I think that's actually it in my 2000 list. How's the Vargolf treating you? That's something that you don't really see on today's Warhammer table anymore. Yeah, it seemed like it was around a bit when it first came out, but lately I haven't seen much of it. It serves me pretty well. It depends on how I roll on the regens. It's usually got a pretty big target on its head, so quite often when I've played it, it's been taken out like on the first or second turn just from shooting or magic and such if I roll bad on the regens. But if you roll good on the regens, it kind of tears them butt a little bit. Yeah, because it's a full-blown monster, isn't it? Yeah, it's a full-blown monster, so you get Thunderstomps, and has five strength, five attacks, and has hatred, I think, also. Good and for smashing infantry. Yeah, that's what it's good at, and when it gets there, it does a pretty good job of it. It's an extra little punch in my army. Excellent. Okay, so you played Dustin. Who else do you play? Um, I don't even remember... Do you have that high elf, high elf, dark elf game? Was that this this last couple weeks or? Um, it must have been because I don't remember thinking of it last time when we were on the when we did the show. Yeah, it was a couple. There's a group of like college kids that come out on Tuesday nights to the game night, and I was kind of the odd man out of our group. And as far as the points went, I actually bumped mine up. I had enough for three thousand points in my bag, so I ended up teaming up against the. Dark Elves and High Elves together, which was kind of an interesting <laughs> game. Um, We didn't get very far into it. I mean, with the three of us, it takes a while to play through the game. So I think we only got through, like, turn three or something like that. And it was pretty undecided at that point. It was probably a draw. Because I kind of beat up on the Dark Elves. We're kind of like a first wave. And then there was an awful lot of High Elves still left. Now, he had a, a Phoenix, right? Do yep. you remember? Was it a Flaming Phoenix or a Frost Phoenix? A uh, fl- Fire One. A Fire One. And what did you think of that? Um... It was interesting, I guess. I mean, it was my first time facing it. Like, its attacks are really weird. When it flies over a unit, it does, like, D6 plus, like, D3 for each rank in the unit or something like that. Sure. Like, strength 4 or 5, like, fire attacks or something like that. Something like that, yeah. That was interesting, I guess. I don't think I ever actually got into combat with it, but, I mean, it flew over things a couple times. Like, I'm slightly annoyed with the weird flying, like, swooping around things is kind of weird just to get the attacks on them rather than flying more directly over them kind of thing, but it works, I guess. It makes sense. It's just really weird seeing it on the Warhammer table, how yeah. the rules make it look. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't faced against the High Elves in the new book yet, so it's something I haven't played against or seen myself, so I'm kind of interested and curious to see it. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was my first time playing High Elves in a long time, but that was really the only the new thing to his list. He also had, like, a Lore Master or something like that as a little bit of a new character. Okay. So I think... I don't know if they always run like that or if you have options, but he actually knew the base level spell of, or the, the signature, uh, the signature spell, spell of every, of every lore. Sp- yep, every lore. lore master. So that was kind of a cool character, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of cool, but you give up your level four pretty much usually at that when you do Yeah, I think so, because I think it's a lord choice. He's still. a lord, kind of a cross between a fighty character and uh Yeah, I never saw I, I think combat with him, but. The the fluff is he's a sword master that's basically started fiddling and learning a little oh, bit okay. of everything. So he's kind of a jack of all trades, master of none. Hmm, that's kind of cool. good at fighting, kind of good at spells, but not great. He's only I think it was only a level two, so you lose your L four lord. Uh-huh. 
you got a lot of spells to choose from, but yeah. only that plus yeah. two to cast. He gets like a bonus. Yeah, a bonus. I thought he gets some kind of bonus casting or something. I don't remember if he gets to re-roll something or maybe that was an item he had. I'm Probably an like item. That. I don't remember how it worked exactly. That was a few weeks ago. But I think he he got to re-roll a dice or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I think that's a high elf item. <laughs> okay, yeah. But that was kind of cool. I guess I'm not sure how well the all the signature spells work as a your casting pool to choose from, but thinking about it right now, it sounds like there's a pretty good mix to choose from, but you don't really have any uber spells or anything like that. Just a lot of no, damage a lot and of buffs nice, and stuff. So. A lot of nice debuffs, buffs. Like yeah. You have a Miasma from Shadows, so you can debuff a lot of the soft scores on a on a unit. And you've got plenty of magic missiles available to you. Yeah, the kind exactly. of cookie cutter, the type of magic missile you need from a Searing Doom to a Fireball. Mm-hmm. So, lots of choices. I think I think it's a a, a cool little ch- option for a lord. I just don't. I think in the, the competitive tournament circuit, we won't see a lot of the lore masters, but but uh, I think it's a cool character choice. It's definitely fluffy, yeah. and it was cool to see somebody taking it. And I'm sure he was taking it just to kind of see what it would do. But probably, yeah. I don't know. I haven't really talked to him about it too much, but yeah, it worked out good in the game he was playing anyway. They usually play lower points, is why I had to buff it up too. So I think they're they all had like fifteen hundred point lists set up maybe. Yeah, they've some been of them working. had two thousand, but a lot of them are really new. I mean, some of them just Six got into it pretty so, much. Yeah, yeah, I think at the most they do have pretty impressive armies for just starting out though. I mean, yeah, the one dude had like fifteen hundred points. Yeah, a lot of them have painted already. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So how how's the painting been going? Anyways, you uh, getting anything done? Yeah, I think I had the ghouls pretty much done last time I was on the show. Maybe right after. I don't remember. I had him done. And I think I still needed Flock for their base or something like that. So I finally did get Flock. I put it on one of my more or less finished guys, and I was just kind of waiting to feel out how I thought it looked and stuff like that before I slapped it on the remaining four of that first group. And then I'll have to put some pictures up on my blog or on Facebook or whatever of them. But I do have, I just finished a couple days ago, I have like the my flesh done, and then I started doing the base coats for their weapons and Stuff like that. Five. Another five ghouls, yep. So I got pretty far on that. A lot of my hobby, I've been playing War Machine then, so I'm, I, since I finished my battle box, I did buy a box of Knights Templar, so I've been assembling those guys to get them on the table. Oh, man. And they're pretty close. Round bases. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, it's, it's been pretty fun. I did play, I almost could have won a game the other day. Almost could have won. Yeah, if I wasn't dumb, maybe I could (laughs) have done it. But that's kind of seems to be how that game plays. You have a shot, and if you biff it, (laughs) you make you make a mistake. You're a little bit out of position. That's exactly what I did. Good players just eat that stuff up. It was actually another pretty new player. Yeah, I've been playing like people have been playing it for quite a while, so I've had like not much of a shot, but have been playing the game, I guess. But this was my first time to, I think, really have a shot for the caster kill. How he had him positioned, like, I should have been able to get my Crusader, the big heavy warjack, to smash his warcaster a few times with the big-ass mace, and I think that would have done him in, but I biffed how I... Sh- there was one guy, like, you have to charge straight at the enemy, Yep. and there was one guy with the really big warjack base. I couldn't quite get the straight line there, and I didn't really notice that till I went to move him, and I already had gone with my caster, Krios, and he could have blasted that guy with a spell to open up the line for him, and then I probably could have had the game... So I wasn't able to do that, and then I just moved my Warcaster. Like, Krios has kind of got out in the middle of nowhere in reach of his caster then, and I didn't move my Crusader Jack very well to protect him. I should have ran him, and then he could have gotten in the way of his caster charging Krios, and that was the Butcher, I think. I, is it Kador, I think? Kador, yeah. And he, like, 
touched Krios and he just turned to dust. <laughs> he killed him in one swing, like, outright. It was pretty crazy. But it was still a really fun game. It was nice to be that close to winning for a change. And, I mean, I saw something and I biffed it up. But <laughs> At least you saw it. It was cool, yeah. You I had knew, a chance. It, yeah. it could have worked out pretty cool. But it's, all my games have still been really fun figuring it out. And it'll be fun to get some more guys and a bigger army. That was like a 16-point game. It was pretty much my battle box and the exemplar I have stuck in their bases without arms at the moment because I'm still cleaning up the lines on their arms. Yeah, I remember hearing you last week complaining about mold lines. Something, yeah. Something really mutter, mutter, mold lines, mutter, mutter. Yeah, mold lines suck. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think the uh, privateer press miniatures are any worse than any other ones, but there's just a lot of nooks and crannies on a lot of the, the guys I've been working on, and they've had, I mean, your average mold lines on them, so it's a lot of work cleaning them up. Sure. Which isn't much fun. <laughs> it just seems tedious. Especially, I noticed I don't feel as strongly about assembly. I used to like assembly quite a bit, but now that I've been painting, painting seems a lot more fun <laughs> and like just, rewarding, I guess. Yeah, it's just not as... I just don't find assembly as something I enjoy a whole lot. Uh-huh. So it's definitely... The painting part of it for me is a, a huge and, and far more interesting I don't mind assembly when I'm looking working on one guy, yeah, and it's going to be this cool mock-up conversion with some really cool basing. He's gonna, you know, I got to figure out how to get him to stand on the base, right? Yeah, it's a lot funner when you have more thought to it, but but just tediously assembly, the tedious mold lines, the tedious assembly of Matt for you know a unit of fifty guys is Uh just like, oh my god, please (laughs) somebody shoot me, just put me out of my misery. So, I don't know, it's been nice having, I've been balancing between assembly and painting. That's helped me want to keep painting and having the time to assemble. A nice balance, I don't really get too sick of one or the other. I just jump back and forth whenever I get tired, so I think that's helped my hobby quite a bit. Where I'm not stuck working on the same thing for way too long. Yep. Top tip, rotate kind of what you're doing so you don't get stuck on one thing or the other. Yeah, for sure. I think I've gotten a lot of progress out of that. Especially so. aside from having the extra free time in the summer here, which seems to be wrapping up too quick. I think I only got a little more than a month. It's sad to think about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then school. It's going to be hitting the roadblock uh, again. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah, it's tough. Hopefully it'll work out at some point. Though. Someday. <laughs> Someday. Seems about a thousand years from now, but All right, well, we'll get there. I played a couple games of Warhammer in the past couple of weeks. Obviously, Blood in the Sun, which you saw the video go out for. I was at that tournament, and we won't get into a whole lot of details there because you can go onto YouTube on our YouTube channel and watch uh, watch the video, and you can follow my success or failures uh, throughout the weekend, as well as some of the other good stuff and fun that went on at Blood in the Sun Three Enchantment Under the Sea. Uh, long story short, I walked away from the tournament with a tournament goal of one win and four losses with my <laughs> Tomb Kings. I was twenty four hundred points going for one. I knew I was twenty four hundred points, and I was pushing my pushing what I could put on the table painted or what I could get done in time, at least to a, to a tournament okay standard, so I wouldn't get like told to take the model off the table. <laughs> and got you know, I got further than I thought. I mean, I was painting on the thing. I you know, I took the Friday off before Blood in the Sun, so I could go down there kind of early and hang out because I'm I'm going to tournaments more for the social hangout aspect than than to try to play competitively. Certainly with Tomb Kings, you know, that's kind of the case. I, I had a great time at Blood in the Sun. I mean, I was painting on those models till 11.30 that morning. Really? And wow. Friday morning, and then I got in the car, and I had to go run a couple errands, and I took off for Blood in the Sun. And I played six games over the weekend, uh, one additional game in, then over the tournament. And I ended up losing, out of the six games, 
I went two wins, three losses, and two draws, of which one of those losses was a non was the non tournament game. These are all with like the tournament points as far as win loss or yeah, oh, it's it, not straight victory points, is it? Well, uh, it's a straight victory point. Um, in in Blood in the Sun uses a twenty odd system or twenty to slash twenty to zero system, which basically means about every I think they their their scale works about every hundred and fifty points a difference. So a ten ten I think is if you're within hundred and fifty points, hmm. I'd have to go look at their chart exactly to see. And then every 150 points, I think it is more than that, is another point difference. So, like, a, if you were over 150 points difference, then it's an 11-9. You know, the loser gets nine I points see. out of the game. So it's a, and it's kind of a range scale when they talk 20 yacht systems. When you hear it either on our show or on other shows, for those of you that aren't tournament goers, so I mean, it's it's a victory. All the games are victory point win losses uh-huh. essentially, and my. Win was a sixteen four win against Lizardmen in round three on the bottom table, and then I had a draw. I had a draw against. Uh, where did I play? I had my draw against was on my day two draws were against dwarves, where there was a mystery swamp. I think it is the one that does d six wounds. You take an initiative test or take d six wounds. With the monster in it or whatever, something like that. Yeah, I was. <laughs> that wasn't helping you out, apparently. I thought it, no, I thought it oh. was the. But I said, I told my opponent that it's the regen swamp. When when we sat up and played the game, and I charged in, and when I charged in, he's like, "Oh, it's the end of your movement phase. Take an initiative test or take d six wounds." And I'm like, "No, it's not this swamp." And we looked it up. Oh, you thought it was the mirror? Yeah, I thought it was the Earth Blood Mirror. <laughs> And That's we looked nice. it up, and the sure as yeah. Dickens, it was you know mystery swamps. Take an initiative test or take D three wound or D six well, wounds. Undead have really good initiative though, so it was no well, problem. I mean, right? It was a war sphinx. <laughs> it was a war sphinx. One of my two war sphinxes. Really? I rolled uh, I rolled like a four or a five on the initiative test. It's an initiative three. Oh, it is. You know, it's okay. got the best initiative on the pro on the. Oh model. yeah, I see. So the, like the tomb guard. The yeah. tomb guard have a three. Otherwise, the beast is like a one or something. Yeah, it's a one. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Auto dead, yeah. but I rolled a I ro- a five, rolled like a four or a five, failed the initiative check. Ugh. Rolled, you know, or I think it's not even D six right. wounds; it's D six models. So oh, really? it doesn't matter what I roll on the D six so because I'm gone. only a model yeah. <laughs> gone. Ugh, that's and right. that was like War Sphinx head on charge into uh, his long beards. So it was ready for. So stopping. I, I, I it, we ended <laughs> up my other War Sphinx got into that unit of long beards, and I killing blow the Rune Smith in there or the Rune Lord in there, and then I. Just destroyed the long beards, and it took like two or three rounds of combat, and the war sphinx just chewed right through them. Yeah, I don't really think I've seen a war sphinx in all its glory until the other night at the game store. I was watching one of your games. Oh, when I took to on the Empire. Early. Yeah, I was just pretty impressed how you can delegate the killing blows from the riders, and then oh, the sphinx sure smashes infantry. Though that's what oh, it's made goodness. to do, I guess. Yeah, between the breath weapon and if you do hit your thunder crush, I think you missed the thunder crush. You weren't having good dice when I was watching, but no, it was a pretty you still bad dice game. beat off that huge unit of halberders. That was another game I played. I played against that empire guy. I forgot yeah. about that. So I, was, I underestimated the halberders. <laughs> the halberders can be I, a really yeah, strong unit. I put my ghouls out there, and they got torn up a little much. Where and I got away from my regen or my raising base. My other two. Fan, where necros were too far away. So. Yeah, no, that's that's. <laughs> I could generate them back. That's the glory of. But I was of really surprised. DC. They were tough. Yeah, you didn't think tough. You know, weapon skill three, strength. You know, three with yeah. a halberd. 
but in you know, horde. Plus a horde. <laughs> in a, a horde. Lot of, like, no, a lot of attacks. A lot of attacks, yeah. and they put that warrior priest in there, so it's hatred. hatred yeah. and, yep. No, those can be some tough units to kind of crack. No, that was uh yeah, that was a, a game I played. Um we'll kinda go ahead and recap that one next here instead of getting to my other blood in the sun draw. I talk about my blood in the sun draw actually. So my other blood in the sun draw I played Tom McClure in round five, and that was just a solid draw against he was bringing his beastman, which is kinda I think the first time he's kind of unveiled the beastman at a tournament and hmm. he was kinda doing the bunker around a herdstone and see how many spells I can throw and how many extra dice I can get. I see. And he had a lot of points into wizard and magic, which so did I. I mean, I had double level four of my Tomb Kings, but uh-huh. he, it meant that he had a lot less chaff, and then he kind of castled into the corner and could, because I started to castle in the same <laughs> corner, so we were both canceled. On, cancel, yeah, cancel, yeah, we were canceled. No, we were castled. <laughs> we were both canceled. <laughs> wow, I, I'm really Still good at this. Yep. Obviously, I'm good at I'm good at this radio stuff. Really, <laughs> no, we were both castled on my left flank. So it was. Were these all like battle end deployments, or were they mixed up a little? This bit? was these last two deployments. It started out the first scenario at bits was the meeting engagement, the diagonal deployment. Uh-huh. Second scenario at bits was blood and glory. Deployments of 15 inches into the table, 9 inches sure. away from the, the short edges. And then the 3rd, 4th, and 5th were all battle line deployments. I see. So uh, going in round 1, I kind of wrote, I knew in our playtesting round that that was going to be just a horrible scenario for me because the opponent's <laughs> just going to be too close to me, plus rolling off to see who goes first. Yeah, I think I saw part of that game. and yeah, <laughs> That was the game we playtested, yeah. They were just too on Well. I drew dark elf dragons yeah. with a or dark elf dark elves with a dragon and two hydras. So I mean that was <laughs> a twenty more. nil loss right off the bat. Yeah. And then the second game was meeting engagement with Minotaurs and Goreherd that got the first turn. Uh-huh. And the Minotaurs are like, you know, oh hey, we're fifteen inches of the board already. Well, here's another twelve inches <laughs> on top of that, and the and the uh, and the gore are like, oh. We're 15 inches in. We'll take another 10, and now we're able to charge you on turn two. Yeah, just right on top of you. Now, that being said, that game, if my Necronites didn't fail a needing a seven on a charge, I, to get into the gore <laughs> herd, I probably would have been in okay shape because I think it would have been too, it would have been a long charge at least for him to get the Minotaurs into anything that would have been considered my nice, soft, gooey wizard center. Sure. Which would have given me another turn to try to throw a purple sun into into the Minotaurs and or to try to charge with a War Sphinx there or get a chariot charge like that I liked off. Hmm. So, anyways, getting on to the, you know, getting away from Blood in the Sun, uh, getting into the normal games that I've played, uh-huh. I played against... Uh, What's his name's Mark? I think it's Mark's uh, Demons at at the Square. That sounds right. Yeah, I played that two weeks ago. And Mark was running. We're starting to play test our Invasion Kenosha list. So we were playing Invasion, uh, you know, Invasion Kenosha is two thousand points. And then we they published a bunch of demo scenarios that they you know could be used for us to you know practice on. And we played. I don't remember which scenario it was, but we and he he had all Nurgle demons, no skill cannons. Epidemus was in the list. Papa Nurgle's in the list. Rotflies, two units of four beasts of Nurgle. 
Like, on paper, this just <laughs> looks horrible for me because I'm like, oh, I can't hit anything. <laughs> None of it takes damage very well. I don't have anything other than the, you know, there's lots and lots of poison, so the only thing that I really have that can deal with that is the the war sphinxes. So I kind of castled to my right and threw some kind of some of the tomb scorps and whatever. Well, your new list is a little different at 2002. At 2000, yeah, because I get, I get rid of the second L4, and uh, actually I don't even have a single. I have a level 3 in the two, at 2,000 points, and then I just have one unit of 20 archers. That's really the changes. Hmm. So I lose I lose a level, wizard level on the Hierophant down to level 3. I lose the lower level 4 death, and I lose 20 archers. I see. And that game was just crazy bad luck for Mark and crazy <laughs> good luck for me. Like at one point, what did I have? I had my Necronites into the front of Papa Nurgle, and then I took my horse archers and rear charged them the same turn. So five horse archers in the rear, and you know, five horse archers in the rear against Papa Nurgle. I'm per, I'm, you know, I'm reasonably confident he's not going to kill five in one turn. So I'm going to get my rear and my charge bonuses. You know, because that's two combat res for rear, uh-huh. charge bonus for three, and a banner from the Necronites. It's four combat res. If, you know, maybe I get lucky and pop off a wound on, on Papa Nurgle, that, that makes Papa pretty hard-pressed to win combat. And every time you make the demons roll a, a break check, that's a chance you're going to pop them off the table, right? Uh-huh. So instead, the horse archers not hold for not one. Not two, not three, but like four or five rounds of combat. <laughs> they stay alive, and he's whiffing you know, on he's you. Some point he's, I'm down to like one or two <laughs> of them left, and he's like, ah, uh, I can't want to dedicate all of Papa's attacks at him. So he would <laughs> start splitting attacks, and then he would whiff the attacks. So that's two games me and him have played where the horse archers were just critical at taking down Papa Nurgle. Like the Demon game we had killers. played. Yeah, they were. I mean, Papa Nurgle killers anyways. The game we played previous to that, they did, on turn one, the first thing I shot was my horse archers, five shots, two wounds on Papa Nurgle right off the bat. I mean, that was the start of the game. It was, That's excellent. It was awesome. So, needless to say, I ended up winning that game pretty big. My chariots were just crazy on fire. They just, I charged one unit of, unit of beasts to Nurgle and basically deleted them off the board pretty much just from impact hits. Uh-huh. It's amazingly how good 3d6 strength 5 impact hits can be when you roll an average roll. Like you roll 10 impacts at strength 5, that just deletes units. And units like the Beasts and Urgle that don't have really ranks or anything uh-huh. like that, that just knocks them things right off the board. And in having those auto hits is so good against Nurgle to begin with, too. You know, breath weapons and thunder stomps and whatever uh-huh. because that minus 1 to hit is like just knock your head against the wall kind of thing. I like your setup on your king. Well, I guess he's king ramen now, yeah, but with the reroll ward save in a chariot, that seems pretty cool. Yeah, the, that was, well, I knew I've been seeing a lot of demons that I've been just playing uh-huh. playing against locally. So That seems really handy yeah, for demons. <laughs> jam them in the center of the chariot block, too, so you ram them in. Oh, yeah, that's a ward save there. I'll go ahead and reroll that. Uh-huh. That's really cool having on that big base. Re- re- yeah. <laughs> I suppose you could do the same thing if he's in a sphinx or whatever. That'd be pretty handy. Yeah, at least for demons. Anyway, I guess it's not going to be super for other stuff. But nah, it's still, still really be good handy for, for anything. Any character else. you get him into. Yeah, uh-huh. I think I got. I think he's equipped in that list too with the biting blade too. So I'm nuking down. You know, strength five with a minus three armor save. Pretty good at knocking down a lot of armor. Yeah. And so when you get your wounds, so the idea is once I get those wounds through, I want them to stick and count. So strength five, yeah, exactly. You know, strength five with the chariot impacts. It's really pretty good to kill most things. 
most infantry, so I don't want to have your infantry having a reason to stick around. So those silly parry saves, whatever, no, re-roll that stuff. Uh-huh. I don't want you to stick. I want you to die. Just die. You stole my goody-goody <laughs> noodle goodness. <laughs> Just stay dead. So, yeah, that was, that was really good. And then I played against, I don't remember his name with the Empire, Nick. Yeah. Nick with Nick. the Empire. Yep. That's right. Sorry, Nick. That was the same guy I played too. Then. Yeah, I played him in last a gentleman's week. game. I think it was. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No. No doubt. I've. No, I have not played. So we started out. We ended up playing. So it's, it's Battle Nick's for Empire, the Past. Right? Battle for the Past. <laughs> Two thousand points. Empire with double cannon and a steam tank with a cannon in it. And yeah, double cannon, double hell blaster. I'm pretty sure he had in that list. Did he? I thought he only had double hell blasters in the one cannon. Even maybe there was one cannon way back there. No, I didn't he see, had, but. Maybe no, he had two cannons. I'm pretty sure. Maybe it was one Hellblaster and two cannons. I can't remember. But anyways, there was a lot of a lot of shoot <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of table for my Tomb Kings to try to cr- walk the board on because I don't have shoot and I don't have other than the Casket of Souls, which I could not land to save my rear. Yeah, your I dice were. One, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I rolled. Being nice. I think I rolled a 10 with six dice at one point in that game. Yep. <laughs> you know, on the cast, I'm like, ah, <laughs> here, now you can dispel the rest of my magic phase because you've only got to dedicate three dice to stop that. Awesome. Uh-huh. But give, I give Nick a lot of credit. He's like, okay, I basically have you destroyed at this point. <laughs> I, was like, I don't have to move whatever. forward. Yeah, it's <laughs> turn two. I'm basically just pulling my models off left and right. And he, if he just stands there and shoots me, short of like a, a massively bad bad thing like a goblin style shooting you know, from- goblin style <laughs> chain panic you know from a war machine exploding or something like that this game is going to go right down the tubes tube so he he actually pushes his halberdiers forward he's got two blocks like 40 of them with warrior priests or whatever you know the lord is in, in units and whatever and gets them up so that my necronites who have amazingly two necronites left Char are able to charge the one unit of Hubbards with his general and BSB. I pull off the the you killing blow. I got the killing blow spell off on him. The, the knights themselves already have. The riders have killing blow already, so they were on killing blow on a five plus. Uh-huh. I killed not only the general warrior, yeah, the arch lector, the arch lector. Yeah. yeah, not only did I killing blow the arch lector, but I got the BSB with the two riders. So, and then the snakes just smoked like eight, nine halberdiers <laughs> on their own. Because yeah. I think that unit broke that round right away, didn't they? Or was it one more round? Yeah, no, they broke. I think they did break from combat that round. Because that was unfortunate because then I overran with like my one lone remaining snake rider. Got to into his level four archer bunker, which was like some militia or something. Oh, really? And then got charged by a steam tank, and his I had like one wound left on the Necronite. That <laughs> was engaged with the uh, with the uh, Arc Collector or with the level with his level four shadow, and that one his level four shadow cast that same turn. You know, I finally got to him. Cast Mind Razor six dice irresistibly. Miscast results places a small round strength ten on everything touching it that's in the small round pops off the last wound on the Necronite before we got to combat. So I didn't even have a chance to try to roll through and maybe survive a, the steam the steam tank impacts and grinds uh-huh. to try to killing blow on the level four. I did finally get the level four with 
I think I got him with arrows to the head. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got him with the 20 archers because he, ne- he never did able to get anything into the hiero bunk, my my 20 man hierophant bunker or my archmage. But I I did manage he did manage to survive with the demigraphs and he I didn't the best thing that happened in that game is so I I've got my I I did the unthinkable I buried my tomb scorpions I'm like okay this is the game I have to bury my tomb scorpions because of the amount of artillery I have uh-huh. to take the chance because otherwise I'm my army's just going to get destroyed if I don't put something in his backfield he's got to turn around and shoot and deal with and so he ignored the second when the second one finally came up on like turn three. He kind of ignored it, and on turn four, it charged and killed a Hellblaster. On turn five, it kind of moved around. Like on turn six, it charged the rear of his other halberd block, uh-huh. and his, and one combat by like one or two. <laughs> and because he didn't have uh, his BSB, uh-huh. you know, he didn't have his general. He was down to like leadership eight, and I won combat by a couple. And he was like steadfast. He was making his steadfast check and like an eight and failed it. Ugh. <laughs> ran away and the scorp ran those halberds down it was great 85 <laughs> points of win i mean and, and i was i was down a couple wounds i was just lucky the halberds didn't get a get a wound on him you know uh-huh. well that's good the scorpions finally did something yeah it was no they were you know the first scorpion came up and it was just shot off the board immediately but yep. the second one came up and was just amazing and i've kind of i was with a blood and sun i talked to mike ballard and mike kind of gave me some pointers on using the scorpions a little bit you know we we're just kind of chatting about them and i was talking about my frustration with them and he he kind of gave me some points on trying to run them and push them forward around the flanks and stuff like that and and it's been i've been finding them more and more useful lately i'd still rather have a third war sphinx but <laughs> but i they i have been finding them a lot more useful lately so you're just trying to use them to take out some of the smaller like vulnerable kind stuff of, or support kind of, where you need it or? yeah support where i need it more more than anything they can they can kind of take they can handle most other chaff on their own so if they get a yeah. chance to charge the other chaff type units the other small units they're usually pretty good at taking them on on their own but where they've been really strong is coming in and supporting a combat a combat or charge because you know, they do come with the four attacks. So anytime, like, uh-huh. oh, my chariot's charged something, well, I'll bring a scorpion in. Killing blow and poison. Yes, the too. killing blow, cool. the poison, and the additional chance at an overrun without taking up a bunch of frontage so I don't have to worry about them because I can clip a corner with one of those and still keep, like, my chariot unit, make sure my chariot units, all my chariots come in and actually have base contact. So kind of similar in use to a scorpion without the, or uh, similar to use, like I use, I've been using my war sphinxes. Except to the with less of the extent of I'm not expecting it to stick and I'm not sending it in there by itself. Yep, that makes sense. Really, really been a good bunch, good bunch of gaming the last few weeks. Hobby wise, before we got done started recording, we were talking about the Necropolis Knights and my painting like on them last weekend. <laughs> oh my goodness, that was I spent eight hours last weekend and all I did was paint the blues of the snake and paint the reds on the hoods, and the reds on the hoods probably need another hour of work before the four Necronites are, the snakes are essentially, all the main colors are done. I still got to do all of the skulls that are all the little skull bits that are on the snake hoods in the real light blues that I'm doing on my Tomb Kings, and I've got to work up the bone and some of the cloth elements on the actual riders. So probably another four or five hours on those models. But my God, one of the things I get to this weekend and I'm like, I just can't do this anymore. I need a break. 
And I haven't been knocking off very many models painting-wise lately, which has kind of been depressing because Andrew's probably building more and more of a lead on me as we speak. <laughs> but I st- sat down. I'm like, what else do I have around the house? I'm like, well, I'm almost a 1,000 points of painted Starship Troopers mobile infantry. So I got my bugs. warrior bugs primed up, and I started a test model on those. And it's it's really a 15, 20-minute paint job, but it looks really nice, the finished one does. It's the, the highlights are subtle, but they're there. And I'm really pretty happy with the way it looks, and I'm really looking for this. When you look at my mobile infantry, my mobile infantry are based on this, like, Martian landscape kind of color scheme and look. So it's very rocky, very sandy. And it makes sense to me that my warrior bugs, my, that the bugs would have adapted their coloring to the environment to try to kind of have this camouflage effect. So I've done that with the test model on the warrior bugs, and it's nice that it only took. I was looking for something that would, one, be fast, two, kind of fit that idea that I had about trying to fit that that Martian color scheme, that Martian planet color scheme, and then eventually the goal will be to kind of do up a, maybe a table or, or some some terrain that's special for my Starship Trooper stuff as well to kind of go with that whole motif as well. So I've got those done. I also started working on my elves for my Mantic Elves. i got a unit of 20, right. spe- 20 of the Spearmen. They're primed and actually working on the painting table. They're about two-thirds of the way done. I don't think you've really painted any Mantic stuff yet. No, I really haven't. So this is the first time I'm kind of going on and cool trying to, to get see. some done. So I'm, I've got the blues done. I'm working on getting the flesh tones and the, the other colors in. Again, it's not a, a horribly complex paint scheme, but it's uh, they, it does. I think it's going to look cool, and I'll do actually do some freehand on the shields and stuff too sure. as well. So it'll it'll have a little extra a little extra work per model than say the what I'm doing for the Starship Trooper stuff. Cool. All right, let's go ahead. I think we've been talking now for quite a long time. <laughs> so let's go now and go ahead and we'll take a break. And when we come back, we'll go ahead and talk about our main topic, the Brett's. Cool. What what what's that place? The last the last circle, the the last triangle. No wait, the last square. That's what it is. The last square located on O'Dana Road. Have you been there? Yeah, yeah. They have a huge selection of miniatures. Everything from five millimeter scale all the way up to twenty five, twenty eight. Everything you could imagine. Yeah, it's the basically the war game store of Madison, Wisconsin, with every war gaming need you can just about imagine or think you wanted, and a lot of things you didn't even know you wanted. Exactly. They also have model railroads and rockets. All sorts of good stuff for the geek in ya. All right. And if you can't get to the square, you can always check them out on their website, thelastsquare.com. Exactly. And we are back. Yo, yo, yo. Hey, yo. <laughs> I think we're talking about some knights now, aren't we? Consult the Book of Armaments. Sure. The greatest knights in all the realm. Well. They're the bestest, I'm pretty sure. They they were great in their day. In their day. Back in... They had a moment there. Back a couple editions ago (laughs) when they were really, really good. They're still my favorite, I think. They're still really good. It's a really cool army. It's an awesome army. It is the Bretonians. So why are we talking Bretonians, dude? Why? Why why does people why do people want to buy Bretonians? Why do they want to own them? This is like the second or third oldest book in Warhammer right now. So why would At somebody least. want to go out and buy this army? They still seem pretty playable. I know I they were at Mayhem, they did pretty good. That's as far as what I've seen. 
haven't seen much night i haven't seen much bretonian tournaments lately have you uh no not really i mean there's still a few people that have them but i think uh for the most part they don't seem like they're one of the more popular armies so that's definitely yeah, a reason I guess to, not. that's kind of surprising there's it's one of the it's definitely a reason to collect them because if you're looking for something that's going to be you know that you're going to be playing it's like oh i don't want to be that guy that's got like one of the next bandwagon guys bandwagon guys that's playing warriors of chaos or i don't want to be that guy i want to play something different than what everybody else plays bretonians are definitely one of those armies that not there's not a lot of player presence out there so you have a really cool opportunity to play something that's that's new and whatever and i think some of that leads because it is the second oldest book in warhammer right now probably yeah that that's probably a bit of a turnoff for folks, but it also means that the people that got that book way back when it first came out have gotten a heck of an investment. <laughs> <laughs> so there, they don't know, there is that too. I mean, you don't necessarily have to worry about, oh, hey, I just dropped thirty five, forty dollars on an army book, and now I'm going to have to have worry about it being replaced sometime soon. No, once this book gets replaced, we'll uh, probably sit another long time before another Bretonian book comes out. Probably. Especially if, I don't know, they seem to like to do the more popular armies more often. The as ones far that as sell. Doing, yeah. The ones that sell a lot, yeah. But they, they apparently, do those more Bretonia often. don't seem to be that. Yeah, I, that actually when, appeals to me, like you were saying, though. Yeah, it's something that not a lot of other people play. Yeah, so. I don't like being one of six players with the same. <laughs> yeah. Now, that being same said, thing. just like we both play Tomb Kings, we also both play Bretonians. Yep. So, so they're cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's something about the, the chivalry and the knights, and, you know, I'm not a big humans kind of guy when it comes to my fantasy games. Uh, and when it definitely, when it comes to the Empire, it kind of, it just doesn't do it for me. But there's something kind of magical about the Bretonians and the, the Lady of the Lake and the, the kind of almost the Arthurian French kind of, uh, they really have a classic knights. fantasy yeah. night feel to them. I think that I like that a lot with the lady and everything. That really does. It really is a big draw and a big interest for myself to the army because they seem like kind of underdogs too, but they're still really tough. As far yeah. as I'm concerned, I mean they're just humans still, but they definitely put up a fight yet. Yeah, <laughs> and they're they're really they're really a, a good army and in and really can be played very well. They're very fast. You can kind of surgically strike. Uh, your opponent where you need to with your with your knights, and while you have a, a nice strong shooting element, they have a nice uh, a nice kind of mix of shooting and magic and and combat suit. So you can kind of pick. They're not as diverse as the empire, but they no. have a nice mix of those elements so that you can feel the nice combined arms force as well as go strong and say perhaps. Um, a cavalry, an all cavalry force, uh-huh. or strong in a, in a defensive force, combining might and magic, or, or I should say, combining magic and uh, shooting to great, great effect uh, with the less. So there's lots of options yeah. for you as a player, lots of ways, which which is something kind of new uh, to this Bretonian book uh-huh. versus older ones where you it was really just all about the knights. You, you, and that was you were going to charge for it, forward with your knights and you were going to win and lose on that charge. Yeah, most of the lists I've seen lately are pretty well-rounded lists. I haven't really seen much of further specialization like you were saying. So, but they, but I, but they definitely can do it. Yeah, I played it. I think I played a, a specialized list with like I must have had seven or eight different knight units on the table. Uh-huh. Only two of them had any kind of significance. It was very MSU kind of knights, and it did really well against your vampires. That was probably five, six. That months was quite ago. a while ago. Yeah. yeah, 
But, but yeah, you definitely played them like that. I've run them both. I've probably run a balanced list for the most part. Maybe a little slightly more combat oriented, but I've also done kind of the turtle list, the defensive list, with a level four and two trebs and kind of sitting there, pummeling them, waiting for them to come in, and you still got your knights there to finish off what's left. I don't think I'm as good as playing them that way, but <laughs> it's definitely a thing to do. But I think the the thing is is that there's a the army provides a a great diverse play style to it, so there's mm-hmm. lots of different angles that you can go with it nowadays. As well as being able to give you that classic, you know, like here's humans that are the classic stoic knights and the, you know, plebe men at arms and whatever. So you can get that kind of classic feel exactly. that you're looking for, maybe that maybe if you're you know, kind of turned off by Empire, well, Bretonians are definitely maybe the, you know, yeah. they have that, that element. They're definitely the classic feel where Empire is definitely a Warhammer fantasy feel <laughs> as yeah, far as human goes. Let's go ahead. What what are the you know what's the, the they have this blessing thing that's the army specific kind of special rule that the army has because what, they're awesome. Yeah. What is the blessing, Brian? Oh <laughs> uh, well, they have the blessing of the lady. They have the option to. I mean, I think most Brett players usually do it, but you can pray before the battle and you get the blessing. Uh, it's always a six up save on everything. Otherwise, is it over strength five? You get the. Yeah, over strength five, you get a you five, get five up ward board. save. So, so it's all always, the knights get it. Always a built-in six up ward, and you can boost it to a, you know anything that you're getting a strength five or higher swing at you. You get a five plus ward, which is really nice. Kind of, I can't tell you how many times I've been playing against brats and and somebody's popped those <laughs> wards. And, you know, I get three four armor saves in, or you get three four swings in with my strength five guy. So I'm barely knocking off enough pips on their armor save. So they're still getting a four plus armor save on them stupid knights, yep. and then they're turning around and getting a five up ward. So it's like, ah, oh, this is like the worst spot. You know that strength five is kind of a lot of people talk about being in a sweet spot for where you want yep. your your model your your units at, and all of a sudden that's strength five awesome, is like the a sweet worst spot for the Bretts. Spot, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's like dreaded strength four is usually where you don't want to be. When that's like the best. Yeah, strength four, you know, when you start getting like strength six and seven where they nuke all of your armor (laughs) save too. Yeah. But yeah, strength five is definitely the good to go. And like you see, you definitely see a lot of it because usually that's good for everything else besides Brett's. But Um, you do sacrifice your first turn, your choice of first turn and praying. Which is kind of... And it gets kind of weird in scenarios too when it's like, well, I have to pray. So like what happens? I think you default to the scenario rules in that case. That's kind of funky in, in, but in those cases. Usually it's definitely worth it. I don't think I've ever not prayed. Yeah, I can't think of a situation where I wouldn't want to pray. I mean, I, I get kind of the idea um, when this book was written that Where being able to have that built-in save... And then being able to get the you know the opportunity to take the first turn, uh-huh. where you could have just pushed your army across the board to charge range, stayed out of your opponent's charge range, and then charged because it wasn't a random charge back then. Yep, you know you were just going to charge what sixteen inches, and so you could just move up till you were roughly you know eyeball it till you were you know just out of their charge range and in your sixteen inches, and next turn charge without you know them having one turn to shoot at you. Uh-huh. That was that was brilliant. Brilliant, yeah, brilliant. But <laughs> in today's awesome. in today's Warhammer, I think if this book ever gets redone, I can kind of see the blessing just being locked in all the time. I don't think that they'll they'll have to worry sense. about losing the first turn anymore. I think it's kind of a uh, it's like a, not worth the trouble silliness of eight that uh-huh. that that doesn't quite is a rule that doesn't quite work with the way that works. 
but the blessing is kind of that thing that makes the knights, you know, they, they pray to the lady of the lake and, uh, I don't know if it's the lady of the lake anyways, but it's the lady and the lady, woohoo. They play, they play, they, pray, they pray to some watery tart and the watery <laughs> tart gives them a word save, which is awesome. Okay. So then we get into, um, character choices and we have basically two types of character choices, the brats. And this is stems, I think this is part of the thing that you're seeing change in some of the more recent books is more and more yeah, character more options variety, and variety sure. here. Newer but, books. But I think that the variety works better in the percentage system. And back when this was written where you could only have a single lord at 2,000 points uh-huh. and, and up to three heroes at 2,000 points, um, that kind of makes sense. That were the, the character choices were a little bit minimalized here. Uh, one of the things that you have to take all the times in your in every army, and I, and I think in eighth ed, you would nobody even worries about this. <laughs> but in every Bretonian army, you have to have a battle standard bearer. But you do get a free upgrade to a BSB, so you don't yeah. pay the twenty five points at least. Which, and... Yeah, you don't have to pay an upgrade fee. There's no upgrade fee. You just pay the straight up. Which any... actually seems like a benefit. I guess. <laughs> Eddie's human hero points, so he's not terribly expensive, and he comes with a steed, so he's coming with a. He's got a steed and heavy armor and and a shield, right? Yeah, all these characters. Well, you have to buy a shield. You, you, okay, and technically, so you, you can't buy any extra equipment if you're the BSB by these. Oh, yeah, it's true. He's, by this these book rules. is so old that it, it has the... You, <laughs> sorry, buddy, you can't have a uh, stand, uh, shield. You, yep. You're too busy carrying that banner, which makes sense thematically. I mean, the model doesn't uh-huh. have a shield or anything like that, but it doesn't... You know, game-wise, that, that's that one extra pip lower on your armor save that you really could use on that character mm-hmm. the other obviously you have a you the two you you start with fighty characters we have a bretonian lord and then we also have the paladin and the paladin is what we were just talking about that you have to take it's your hero level your choice. battle yep. standard bearer but you also it's a yeah, hero level dude that comes with a horse both of these guys come with a war horse right uh you do have to pay the points for the war horse but they have to be mounted unless you put them on a bigger mount Okay, so you, you know there's a, there's a diff- bunch of different mount options. They have what a, a hippogriff. Uh, and the, a Pegasus, the Lord right? has a hippogriff and a Pegasus. The Paladin, being the hero level, can also just ride the Pegasus. But Which, even the barded, the Bretonian war horses are pretty cool. They come auto barded, and then you don't have to. You're not restricted from your barding. You still have the eight inch move, which is pretty cool. Which is really nice. I mean, that's that's more than anything. You know, that eight inches locked guarantee on your swift stride roll when you're uh-huh. charging is incredibly helpful because that, that helps guarantee when you're at like 13 or 14, you know, when, when you're, when those infantry need like an eight or a nine inch char- charge to charge you, you, and, and you need a five or a six to charge them, you know, you're locking in your odds pretty solid that they're not going to get it to you and get to you and you're going to get to them. So, mm-hmm. That definitely helps. And the Pegasus, I mean, obviously, Pegasus, I think, riders are, are no-brainers now uh, in whatever type of Warhammer you're playing just because you can you can take a Dragon Helm on a dude uh, or a Stubborn Crown and, you know, that guy is going to tie up stuff all day long for you. These ones are still, I think the Pegasus is still like a regular monster. It's not a Calvary, no, I think. It's uh, Monster's Calvary, I believe. Oh, it is? Yeah. Are you sure? I ain't gonna tell you in that book, but yeah. <laughs> but it is rated. It's uh, you check the BRB. It's not rated as a monsters. Oh Calvary. really? Yep, it's monsters. Calvary. It's a monsters That's beast. Much more interesting. So I didn't yep. know that. 
yeah, it makes it a very good choice. I have lots of Pegasus in my collection. <laughs> so, woohoo, flying circus, here I come. So, yeah, no, that's, I mean, they're just basic fighty humans otherwise. Nope. So there's nothing very remarkable about them, but they're, the one thing to note is that both of them are very inexpensive points-wise. Yeah, their base points is very cheap for a character. You know, and for, <laughs> I mean, you're paying, what is a base lord? He's... That's one ten before one ten, and you can buy a and you know, the horse. You have to your the mount, so you buy the minimal mount, which is a horse that comes barded. Sure, yeah, that's twenty one. So you're looking at one thirty one and a shield mm-hmm. is probably what four points. Three or on the Lord is all three. So you do have to buy one thirty two if you don't. One thirty four and a lance, or you can have a morning stock. <laughs> What's a lance? Another four points. Six for a lord. Six. So you're at 140 bare bones, Lord. No other yeah. fancy gear. Two up armor save. You have to you try know. pretty hard to get them over 200 points when you're equipping them. Yeah, no, and you could just drop on a drop a Grommel Grape Helm or something on mm-hmm. them there on, with that that equipment choice or a yeah, being or a enchanted shield. Get them to that one up armor save. Mm-hmm. Being the old book, you do actually have magic item choices. <laughs> yeah, you have lots of magic <laughs> item choices. I really miss that in the new edition, but. Yeah, the Brett book still has them, so there's a lot of good picks in there. Like yeah. almost all of them are useful for something. So you I mean you can get a you can get a lore, a fighty lord for that leadership nine uh, on the table for under 150 points and have a fairly competent combat lord too, mm-hmm. somebody that can confidently take on other armies' heroes. Maybe not other armies' he- lords, but confidently take on other armies' heroes. You can get them up there with your equipment though, with the magic item. Ch- choices i think you can make a pretty good lord but yeah they're not no. phenomenal by any means now but. the the hero level the paladin i don't see myself ever taking paladins in my list other than the obligatory battle standard bearer the yeah. three attacks out of these guys or a pegasus rider i should make that exception i make yeah. pegasus right it pegasus mounted damn or paladins are really good because it's a pegasus so you get that now you get that mounted armor save on him so you can get a decent armor save on him it's a combined profile which is useful uh you know it's instead of being able to shoot the pegasus out underneath him like when the book was originally published uh-huh. which meant pegasus writers never saw the date the, day, <laughs> the, the light, of light of day you know before but yeah i think uh i think those are uh, a couple of options. I don't see myself ever fielding. I do. I said there's one other option. There is the uh an upgrade to a Bretonian fighty character that you can take to have him be on foot instead. Yep. And putting a paladin on foot in a unit of men at arms, which we'll talk about later, is a really cool option as well. But yeah, those additional upgrades are actually the virtues you can pick for the knights. They're just different. There's a lot of cool things in there. Some are kind of fluffy, but just more or less uh, extra, I don't know what you call a special rule, more or less. Yeah. It's not really an item choice, but just an extra Extra. It's bit. an extra little tweak to the, the character's functionality. Really cool. I think it's unfortunate it's still part of the magic item allowance, which makes it kind of... Yeah. But it, at the same time, it keeps you from bloating up. Like it's, yeah. it keeps you from bloating up a character like a, with vampiric power. That's what I was thinking. Though. <laughs> I was like, I'm used to doing my vamp character, and it's kind of the same thing. But the vamps, you can choose both. It ends up being pretty cool. So I don't know what they would do in a new book if they released it. It'll be hard to say if that's something. Unless, I could see that going away with Bretonians, so that you that could really ramp sad. up a lord if you wanted to, and that would make the lord. 
that would make people if with a with a vampire or the not vampire lord uh, with a <laughs> Bretonian lord I think in particular that would make people think a lot about well do I take the Bretonian lord because I can soup the dickens out of him and make him awesome so you're or saying do having I, the points be separate yeah you can pick a virtue and pick a or do I take that level four. Yeah, now you can do both of them pretty you could do, easily. Because you could do Super Lord on a Pegasus, and that could be <laughs> really good. So. But then the other two characters you have are the Prophetess and the Damsel. And the Prophetess is your le- your level 3, level 4 option for a yep. wizard. And she's got a lot of... She's actually got several th- lores to choose from, which makes oh, her really pretty cool. And then the level of the Damsels only have, what, Beasts and Life? Yeah, Damsel only has beasts or life. The Prophetess just gains access to heavens, which I, okay. I don't know. I know you like beasts quite a lot. I really like beasts. And that's your straight up Brett. choice with Bretts all the time. Yeah, I don't even bother with life. Um, if I was going to go run a level four, I would take the, the life on the level four. Oh, yeah. Um, because life obviously has dwellers, which is amazingly good. Yeah. And has things that the healing and the toughness spells on your knights are really good buffs. Mm-hmm. But against the uh, normal stuff, if I'm just running, I like to run a couple of level twos. This is an army that I kind of feel like I can get away without running a level four in the list. I, I can just run a couple of level twos or a couple of level ones. When you're just looking for those beasts, and just take, it yep, works just, out pretty good. Just take the signature on beast for that plus one strength and toughness, and that is just, when you're getting plus one strength and toughness on your knights, that is just brilliant. All of a sudden, <laughs> you got strength four war horses, and you've got toughness four knights with... You know, two up armor saves and strength, strength six coming yep. in on the charge <laughs> and strength. The pr- biggest problem with anything in this book is that it's it goes back down to piddly weak strength after the charge. Yep, you have your charge and you're if you didn't do it, you're not doing you're, much. <laughs> and then you're locked in uh, with something that has going to be steadfast against you probably forever and you're not going to kill a lot uh-huh. of anything. So all of a sudden the, the signature on beasts is so brilliant because it makes your knights able to not only not you know resist damage that much more, but also to be able to do some damage when you get stuck in. Uh-huh. Yeah, I haven't really played them lately, but I always liked Heavens on the Prophetess. Like Comet's my favorite spell ever, even though it doesn't really do too much. But <laughs> I really like that spell, so I just like going that way. Otherwise, normally I was running one beast and one life, level two. And kind of more of a standard list. Yeah, but, I think life is just not a good lore though when you're on it. Not own. for what you're looking for, I guess. I mean, there's a few things that are kind of nice to have, but I think if you compared it to beasts, beasts is probably the better choice. Yeah, actuality. But, I mean, just on a signature, life just doesn't. On a level two, uh-huh. life just doesn't have very much that yeah. you can do with it. Like, ooh, I have a spell that buffs all the rest of these spells. Oh wait. I only have one life caster, so <laughs> I cast this, and now I have one other spell that it actually buffs. Well, uh-huh. that's terrible. Yeah, I mean, anybody that's worth this grain of salt is going to let you get the first one through, and unless you have, <laughs> if if you don't have six dice, for the, you know, I'll stop the other one. Yeah, because like you were saying, like primarily running like two level twos is sufficient. Otherwise, when I did do a level four, it was kind of a different playlist, and that was usually a more of a defensive, a defensive list for yeah. me. Which heaven seems to work all right for defensive i mean you have a lot of range that's the other thing where i was talking too. about not needing maybe necessarily a, a, a level four with a bretonia mm-hmm. is because i'm so fast in combat if i go a strong knight list 
where I'm pushing my way across the board in a hurry. That level four is is a very defensive spellcaster and, and likes to take. I mean, in, the, in on the level four, I think life is the best best lore. I mean, heavens is a good option as well if you're especially if you're playing a defensive game. They're both kind of defensive lures, so they're kind of hold back, sit, see what my opponent does. I think the the defensive with a life is is probably the best option as far as probably. the threats are concerned. But when I, if I want to go offense, if I want to get all fighty and in somebody's grill, I think that, that taking the uh, Bretonian Lord, if not two of them, and even then if I take one, I can still fit in a Prophetess if I need to for that Dispel and, and other buffs. Uh-huh. Yeah, both the Damsel and the Prophetess do come with magic resistance too, which is pretty easy to forget, but along with your ward save, that that's really good though when you jam her into sure. uh, jam them into a unit. They're yeah. usually always going to be in a night unit too. Yeah, take that fireball. Because yeah, it's a two up, on, well, a two magic resistance on the prophetess and a one on the damsel. Gets that helps which that is pretty awesome. Helps that base six up save turn into something really pretty good. All right, then we go ahead and get into um, our core units. Yeah, get into your core. So I think there's knights in this army. Isn't yeah, there? then that's definitely it's required. Even yeah, so you have <laughs> to take one. And I, this is something that I don't think we will ever see go away. You think with so? Bretonians. I, I could know. see it go from where you don't have to take maybe a unit of realm knights and that you have to take, uh, you, you would have the option to take the knights errant instead you so? as your core. But yeah, I think knights are the foundation. It's Brett's. They have to have knights. You would You'll think have to so, have one but, unit of knights. I mean, usually it would by, I don't know, with a redo, uh, as I far think, as how they've done the other books, I wouldn't say they would. I think if you keep men at arms at core, you could see Bretonian armies with this, with the way this list is with no knights. Yeah, for sure. And that's that's not what a Bretonian army should be. But I don't think GW would care about that in redoing. Yeah, I think I think they do. <laughs> you I think, think so? I think they do. We'll find out. Want to put yeah, twenty we'll bucks it. on it? No, no. I, I, cash, no. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll just I'll, put, I'll, I'll put, let you know when I'm right. I'll put terrorgeists on it, but <laughs> like five years from now, <laughs> when they maybe redo the book, we'll see what happens. All right. Well, anyways, <laughs> so you got. But there's at the core level on this is one thing that kind of makes me sad is that you only have two different options of only knights. two but they're yeah. awesome they're they are probably knights of the realm are i mean that's the required unit you have to have at least one unit of knights of the realm but they're good they're good i mean they're coming in at weapon skill four and yep. and they're not horribly they're not very they're not terribly out uh, overpriced like a lot of other army yeah. knights are only 24 i think that's perfectly that's fine. not too bad i mean i could see them like maybe a little bit cheaper than that a little maybe but yeah they they come with knight's vow which is we didn't talk about the vows here but then they come with knight's vow and knight's vow is immune to panic isn't it nope uh it's just they don't care about peasants oh okay yep. so they the standard knight's vow they just don't care about peasants 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 are pointless yep. and they're winding not worried about them running away <laughs> or panicking being destroyed, that's what peasants do. And so, I mean, knight, both, of the, both of the units come with that. Yep. And, and you were talking about wanting knights to be cheaper. Errant knights are cheaper, <laughs> but you just get one less weapon skill. That's really the only difference as far as knights errant aside from impetuous. <laughs> yeah, impetuous is when they it's see something not big. not a big deal anymore at all. It's just anytime they can make a charge, they have to declare a charge unless they pass a leadership check. Well, it's a little bit bigger because right, at no. this point now, um, their move eight with there's 12, definitely so there's a, a threat 20 range, inch range that they're going to potentially have to charge. Usually if you have your BSB and your general right there, they're probably not going to charge, though. Which I've is, never had a problem controlling them initially, 
But if <laughs> your lord, if your if your lord gets away from them, they're only leadership seven. <laughs> they're usually charging stuff so, if they want to. So these these whippersnappers, these teenagers that are yeah, these are the their all and, nights, up and coming knights trying yeah. to prove when, themselves. When 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 daddy's around, <laughs> they behave. <laughs> when daddy run, when daddy's not paying attention, they go run off and get themselves into trouble. Yep. Is what but you're saying. Also, with the rule, they're immune to psych on the turn they charge. Which is which is pretty. It's, it's not a big it, deal it, anymore. Leadership seven, though, when you're charging into a fear causer or yeah. a terror causer, that's, that's what I've a big deal. For. I've sick of my monsters all the time because they hit pretty hard. Well, you get the they don't hit they don't hit any harder than the knights of the realm, except that you have Unless the errantry have the, banner. Yep, I was just gonna say that the the base knight errants you can have up to a twenty five point banner on them. Knights of the realm can also take a twenty five point magic banner. Which is pretty cool, but yeah, the errantry banner, it also, it's like a minus two to their impetuous tests, but you get plus one strength on the charge, which is just awesome. Strength six. Yeah, strength six knight, strength six deal with core knights on the charge. No yep, you can definitely jam them into, into a lot of different targets there without, without too much fear. Mm -hmm. Um, then you have a bunch of peasants. peasants. These are the the poor, everyday kind of sort, and they're they, highly trained. They really talking? got into <laughs> when they came out with these models, uh, into modeling up into their poor and destitute kind of selves. So you've got guys that are missing teeth, and missing <laughs> eyes, and yeah. these guys. These guys are obviously they're pretty destitute, but they're still a little bit of. I mean, the men at arms, they all are kind of uniform with their shield. They're armed with their shields and halberds. <laughs> or spears. Yeah, they can't have spears. These, what, what's your opinion on halberd. halberds or spears? Halberd. Yeah. There's, there's no opportunity for, there's no opportunity for a major buff here other than possibly plus one strength and toughness from your beasts wizards mm -hmm. on these guys that are really going to benefit them. Although this is another really cool target for plus one strength and toughness. From your yeah, lower beast with the halberd, that's awesome. Yeah, strength five. all of a sudden, strength five, tough, tough four, four peasants. <laughs> thing I don't think it's really a big secret, but one of the items you can actually give peasants the blessing, which seems like anybody who has a unit of pla like a oh unit my of goodness will give them the blessing. <laughs> throw throw the it's a throw the signature beasts on these guys for plus one strength and toughness, and then have the five of ward save too. So whatever little piddly attacks they take back. Mm -hmm. You're going to be saved on a five up. That's really but good. That makes a really tough unit, and also part of the knight's vow. They can, and it's part of the peasants and the knight's vow. But any knight within six inches bestows their leadership upon the men at arms or peasants, any kind of peasants. So yeah. So even if your general's not there, they're still end up at least leadership seven. Knights of the realm are leader eight. eight though, which is really tough for a core troop. And then the other core that you have at this point are the archers, the bowmen. The bowmen, yep. And you can take these, I think you can have what, one unit of skirmish? You can have one uses? unit of skirmish, and well, it costs one point per model. It'd be kind of interesting if you could upgrade more units like that. Yeah, I, I can see, see that. changing that in the new I book. I can see them having more units of skirmish. I don't think but that's that's horrible. One kind of unique thing they do have is defensive stakes, but they seem rather pointless. <laughs> it basically gives them it's what, a, cool a wall idea. or something like that. Yeah, it's just a barrack, like, yeah, an obstacle is what it's treated as, but as soon as they move it disappears. And, I mean, if they're already to your peasants, they're not really going to put up your peasant moment. Now, the, Whatever's the other, hitting them, it's not the really going to The other kind of neat thing to note here with your pet, with both the 
Bowman and the Men at Arms is that you can give them banners. Yep, they can and all have And their army doesn't care yep. if They're you not lose those banners. Any points, but they still count combat res. Yep, combat res and fortitude for if you yeah, you care fortitude. about fortitude scenarios, <laughs> all of a sudden you've got lots of, you know, you can take two or three, you know, a couple of units of bowmen in your yep. backfield away from your knights and uh, a unit of men-at-arms, and you kind of bunker those in your deployment zone, and there's your three yep. fortitude for your blood and glory scenario. So you're if you lose four banners, that's, mm-hmm. you know, if you lose one of your knight banners, okay, then you're in trouble, but there's three of your breakpoints that you... Uh, These guys are rather cheap for what they are, too. I mean, the upgrades don't cost very much, but it's only five points for a men-at-arms and six for a bowman. The Bowman might be, a, I don't know, it might be a little much. He, but he's plus one ballistic skill or something, isn't he? Well, the or the the, the champion Bowman. for the Bowman. Yeah. yeah, you get plus one ballistic skill like a regular shooter. But I mean, ballistic skill four and still ballistic skill shooting, so it's not tremendous. But you know, you can take the flaming braziers with yep, them, so you can get flaming shots. That. So it's almost like why not take like, that? Ooh, it's only five a, points for an upgrade. Yeah. But. Well, the the nice thing is that if you got like. 20 or 30 of these guys chances are they might you know they might get a you know 20 or 30 of them might get a wound through on say uh-huh. an a-bomb or a hydra or some other flaming goofy thing or exactly. regenerating rating thing that you or need sh- to shooting in, gonna... into a building you get the re-rolls yep re-roll too, the wound awesome and i don't think we said they do actually have longbows too so like not much come with longbows but they have a really big threat range and on top of that then it, in your rare slot it'll help them when you're dropping rocks on their heads Yep, because you can soften up. Ooh, hey, I got that flaming wound through with my with my flaming archer shots, and now I can drop a rock on your head. And I don't think I've ever do comboed that. Wounds. I don't think I've played them since I thought about that. But that is an awesome idea. <laughs> if you stick the hydra, you can finish them off. All right, so that gets us through the the heroes and core. So let's go ahead. We'll take another break here before we go ahead and get into special and rare. Back in the saddle again. Ha 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 ha! My jokes are so good. <laughs> okay, talking about being back in the saddle, let's talk about the special you slot. Got more knights to talk about. You and all your silly English. Can- the special ones. I think you mentioned 
the rider, the Pegasus rider. Yeah, earlier. we did talk about Pegasus riders. Ben loves the Pegasus Well, we talked about heroes, and heroes, are, you can mount your characters on Pegasus. Well, now you have, like, this is a unit of Pegasus riders. Yep. Which are monster, you're the, really the very, very first monstrous cavalry unit. And yeah, I remember when I they came so. out with these, you know, shortly after they saw the actual <laughs> in-game effect and they're like, Oh my God, these things are terrible. We're never going to do another flying monsters cavalry again was I think <laughs> what I heard kind of the rumblings come from. And yeah, here we, here we are now eight deep into eighth ed and everybody's getting Six monsters, monsters cavalry kit units and there's another flying, you know, essentially flying monsters cavalry unit in the, Demon book and these guys aren't nearly as sexy as they once were, but they're still really good flying. It's still a really tough unit. It's flying with a forty mil model, forty mil bases, so they don't have a lot huge table footprint. Nope. They look really cool because they they again they fit they look you know the look is just right along with the rest of the knights in the army, uh-huh. and they're fast. They're you know, a touch faster than the than the rest of your knights. They're relatively the, cheap, and you can get them where you need to be. Yeah, and they're not horribly expensive for the amount of attacks you can pile yeah, out of them. It's only fifty five, but yeah, the Pegasus is definitely the better fighter <laughs> between the two. But well, yeah, you still got the knight attack on the charge with the, the You still have the lance. The horses are the better fighters <laughs> out of the, out almost of the all units. the time. Yeah, that's <laughs> very common. You are limited to only one unit though, unless you're generals on a. Pegasus, on a Pegasus, yep. And then you're unrestricted, which would be the Flying Circus-esque <laughs> thing, but yeah, Seth kind of. Someday I'll put a couple units of Pegasus riders on the board and, kind of and a couple of Pegasus one. characters, including the general. It'll be cool. And these guys, unfortunately, don't get a magic banner. No, that, that does make sad. me kind of sad. Uh-huh. Because there could um, be some cool stuff, <laughs> but, the, but they do have they do have. I love the ability. I can get them out on the flakes. They can deal with anybody else's chaff for sure, yeah. and they can avoid enemy units like enemy monsters, cav, um, like no other. It's really pretty. They're very maneuverable, and then they fill a real hole where the Bretonian this Bretonian army in this book has. Because one of the things we didn't talk about yet is the lance formation. Oh yeah, we didn't, mention and it's <laughs> it's great. It basically, it's great for night buses, yep. um, because you basically have units that are three nights wide, but the problem is, is you end up being very, very deep. Yep. And yes, that's three models wide for a rank, which is awesome, but then you end up being, you know, three or four 50, you know, 50 mil bases back. Yep. And all of a sudden that becomes a huge flake, and that's the worst thing ever, is all of a sudden, you have your night buses storming down the table, and they get <laughs> crashed into from the flake, which is almost inevitable. Even if you hit your, even if you hit your charge, blow through it, your chances are you're going to give up a flank on your night buses sooner, night buses sooner or later. So yeah, I think it almost always happens. Yeah, so it's it's having these Pegasus riders kind of help fill that vulnerability hole because you have something that can really threaten and keep stuff off your flanks of your knights. Yeah. I guess a little bit more on the lance formation. Like, along with being three models wide, uh, you do get, on your charge, you do get attacks from all the models in the flanks. Full attacks. <laughs> which is really cool. So that little frontage, you pile a lot of attacks in, which allows you to get awesome combo charges. Usually you'll always want two knights going into anything you're hitting. Two knight blocks going into anything. Yeah. Your characters still have to be in front, but they still count if they're in the flanks for fighting. In damsels, the casters or the prophetess actually can go in the middle of the knight's block. They still have line of sight from the second rank. And then yep. 
are pretty protected. Yeah, you basically can't have a tax directed on them. Unfortunately, it also means that when they miscast all the results, yeah, where they, they drop three templates or touch, every, you know, hits or affects all the knights of touching them. Yep, you that's know, usually kind of devastating. Oh, you know, there once was a night block, and then <laughs> the damsel cast the spell. Yeah, it works. <laughs> so you got those. Um, but then also you have, and we get into a, talking about our other knights at the special choice. We have the only other knights are the questing knights. There's another kind of knights. You have peg knights, but as far and as special knights, yeah, yeah special, the specials. As far as special choices, you have questing yeah. knights. No, they're different because they have the questing vow. Well, what is the questing vow? Um, you almost mentioned it earlier. That actually allows them to roll an extra dice on their panic checks. I think, or I don't remember. This is definitely a vow that. Brian and I have taken a lot because we really don't know what it actually does. Yeah. You'd never really see questing knights for whatever reason. Now, they are armed with great weapons. We, we like, did talk about like, one of the problems <laughs> when you lock up into combat with something is that your knights tend not to be able to kill anything uh-huh. in further rounds of combat. Well, these guys come in with base strength 4 and great weapons, so they're swinging at strength 5. So they're not horrible, and there's but you do get always strike last. They're always strike last, but they're still a three plus war, but they're a three plus armor with uh a with their you know blessing save. So these, you know, this might be a good unit to jam a stubborn crown on, and if you you can get it into something that's even a strength five unit, you can probably you know you'll pick up enough ward saves and enough armor saves. So if you're five of armors, five of wards to keep a unit around long enough to get get it support while it grind while this unit grinds on something. Because, uh-huh. yeah, I guess the questing vow officially is ignore panic caused by any friendly units and models with the peasant duty, but they just get to re-roll any other psychology tests. Okay. Any failed psychology tests. But That's not if bad. If you already have a BSB, you can only re-roll it once, right? Yeah. So, so I mean, this is also a unit you can kind of scoot around the flanks mm-hmm. then, though, because you don't have to worry yeah. about... You know, they do, they come in at leadership eight, they get a reroll on their chat, on their, on their, you know, psychology checks. So they still have the break checks, but mm-hmm. psychology. Yeah. Unfortunately, I've never actually played them. I don't think I've ever had questing knights in a list I've played, but I like don't, you were saying, they do seem to have their spots where they could be useful. I'm I, kind I of don't, anxious to try them out. I don't own them personally, so oh, I've really? never, I've never been able to put them on the table, but I think in eighth, there's a, there's a definite hole now. There's a hole in the army that, I think before with the always strike last and the three up armor, you it was kind of a detriment. But now you know you got your you your night your lances coming in. You don't you don't have enough strength, you know, in second and third rounds of combat to kill models. So yeah, I think this is a better choice nowadays. Is it the unit choice of choice when it comes to specials and rares when you're competing for points? I, I think the Pegasus Knights are the better special knight choice. That'd probably be your first And then, pick. you know, so it's my first check, and I think there's a couple other things I might consider here and the special selection, but when I talk knights, we'll get to our rare knights, and when you talk <laughs> rare knights, it's awesome pretty sauce. obvious which where the awesomeness is. <laughs> I guess so, I don't know if you said they do. Questing Knights are strength four base. Yeah. With the great weapon. Which, which made them, well, they're strength four base plus great weapons, so uh-huh. strength five. So that, that makes them, that gets them in that sweet spot of getting to that strength five, which is, you know, okay, now I'm wounding tough four things on threes and wounding tough three things on two or twos and they do getting only damage through. They still have one attack, which is kind of yeah. But if you're not worried about, if you reform after your initial charge, so you're out of lance formation, there will still be 
pretty good if you go like five wide or something if you have that many of them. Yeah. I think they'd be pretty good. I think there's there's definite potential there. Uh, so other special choices you have go back to peasants. Is more peasants, more peasant options. So you have the mounted yeoman, which is yep. another cavalry choice, and these are basically they're a little fast cab. Yeah, know. they're fat. They're 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 your archers on horses, mm-hmm. fast yes. cab with some spears, spear and bow, you spear can and bows, upgrade shields. Not not really want, dramatic but. there, but. They do, uh, I think they add something, add a little bit of something to the list. I don't think they're cheap enough though to really be that useful as, as chaff. And so I don't think people put them on the table very often. Not very and often. the models are pretty dated and old. Yeah. They're a little bit out of date. I actually own 10 of them. I've played them before. I mean, it's hard to get your benefit out of them, I guess, when you can spend the points on something else. Yeah, you just run out of they're, points. They're not too expensive. I mean, they're 15 each, but for what they're actually going to do in your list, I mean, it's kind of hard to judge. I think they could be pretty good redirectors to keep stuff off your knights, but usually don't have the points to spare for them, I guess. True, true. I have got a unit of five of these myself that I haven't built, but I, I just... I mean, I got the unit of five just to add completeness to my collection uh-huh. and to put them on the table and fiddle with a little bit, but not for actual gameplay purposes. I see. So we'll see if they got them down to like Goblin Wolf Rider points. I think, uh, I think What's I did. That? I think it's like 12, twelve. I think. Yeah. So I, I think then I'd be a lot more tempted if I can get a unit of these on the board for seventy-ish points. I think I'd be pretty happy with a musician. Then we got. Battle Pilgrims and the Grail Reliquy. Bring out today! Do you think you'll like almost always see this in the army? No, I think you, you almost never see this oh, really? now because I think the I think the the problem is is that it doesn't. If you look at the stats, it's again a pile of strength three attacks. Yeah, they are. It they're it stubborn dicks and hatred, but, but it's yeah, too slow. It doesn't stick. keep up with your knights. No, the halberd the peasant halberd blocks are better at killing things because you get up to strength four. Yeah. And these guys don't just, there just isn't enough attack. There isn't enough attacks so. coming out of the unit and they die in droves. So it doesn't Fair really add anything. I don't know. They do, they do have the blessing though. That, uh, they do come with the so. built in blessing. But it, again, I think Aethad is, I, it changes the attitude because you like, you talk about like that Empire Halberd block. Yeah. Did you, when your ghouls hit it, did you not do a pile of damage to the halberds? I did quite a bit. I was oh, yeah. ghouls, but they did but just as then much the back ghouls, to <laughs> You know, now just think about it. You know, you, you think that halberd block against your Grail Reliquy, even points. The here's the difference: the Grail Reliquy does a you know far less damage back, yeah. and the halberds get probably as much, if not more, damage. And that's just basic I infantry. I still like to include it, though. I've always used it in the games I've played most recently. Um. If you pick your target, I think it's still good being stubborn. You just gotta pick something that can't mow through them, like a big infantry block. I wouldn't try and run them into that, but if there's some monster or something I wanna hold up or anything like that, I think would be a good spot to stick them. I usually just expect them to sit there for two turns. I yeah. mean, even with like one guy left, if it sits there, I'm happy. Yeah, it's, it's really just a, it's, it's just a tar pit unit. Yep. I think, you know, my, for tactically speaking, and it's kind of a sad thing to do because it's a really cool model. Yeah, um, it's really Battle Pilgrims are really cool. I bought a ton of them. I got a tons of the old metal, the the metal, you know, 
a lot of guys will have bought the plastic peasants and they'll fill them in the back ranks with peasants, but I don't yeah. know. I filled them in with actual metal battle pilgrims. Yeah, I, I wish mine were like that. I, I got these secondhand too, and I have, I think I have enough for like 20 base, but there's like a few, um, that are filled out with men at arms converted just to have a hand weapon shield. But they're definitely a really cool unit, and it, yeah. It, it is really cool. It's a really cool, f- Fluffy, no, it's a fluffy choice to add to the army. It looks really cool on the table. There's all sorts of, you know, conversion opportunities with it. It's just, unfortunately, I think with the eight way eight that works, just being stubborn and and being able to resist damage a little bit better than Uh normal peasants isn't enough. enough. If you mean, if they came with the ability to have the halberds and spears, just like normal peasants do, I think that would go a long ways to making this unit. I think that would change this unit from being, eh, because the peasants already do it better, to, wow, these are peasants that get the get the uh, peasants' duty rule so they can take the leadership off any nearby knight within six, and they come with stubborn. Wow, these guys are really pretty good now. Yeah, I guess I see what you're so saying. I think there's a I think there's a big difference. So I think there's one thing I do is we give these guys the ability to take the spears and halvers that the normal peasant infantry men at arms do. Yeah, it doesn't match the fluff then, but it would make a better unit, I guess. Considering this better, is the even first they, time this book this unit ever was revealed in the books. Strangely cost I mean they're nine points per model. Which seems like quite a bit for a peasant. Well, like you, when you're saying they're not only a regular peasant is only five. So well, I think the they're paying for that. the. They built in the. They built in the blessing save there as well into yeah, that. And I the suppose. part of the problem with that is the book was written when you didn't have parry saves give yeah. uh plus one to the wards give you know turn yeah, the ward save into a six plus shield, yeah. You know, so relevant at that you point. know, all of a sudden, yeah, you get rid of half the half the blessing save on this unit just from that, mm-hmm. and the other half you get rid of. Uh, or the other half is only when only when they're up against things with strength five, which is I guess when you're hunt monster hunting with them is actually pretty good, and that's uh, probably a better use. Or if you can lock them up with like a chariot or some other chaff, like yeah. locking them up with a chaos chariot. I don't care how good your yeah, chaos exactly. chariot is killing me. I'm gonna lock that thing up for three or four rounds. Yeah, I think that's their main use, and that's what I like to use them for. It's just a little tarpet, maybe not the greatest, but. But at nine points a model, I think they're, you know, in addition, yeah. I think that's a little bit expensive. It's hard, like you said, because they don't really keep up with your army easy either. Yeah. And your knights are away from them in a hurry. Okay, so we can, I think that's... That's all of our specials. That's all the specials. So we can go ahead and move on to the rares. Mm-hmm. And the rare, we see a couple of choices that are really good here, I think. Yeah, I, mean, I think they're, they're said, most awesome rares. That it's it's definitely the best part of the Bretonian army, I think, overall, as far as the things you can put on the table. Mm-hmm. And that is, unfortunately, they're competing a little bit for that 25% choice of your army. <laughs> yeah. But fortunately, the first one, the field trebuchet, for being able to drop very strong rocks, yeah, on top of their what strength? It's pretty much a stone thrower, but it's I think it's strength six under the hole, I think and then strength, it's strength four. No, I think there's strength nine or ten. Or, yeah, maybe it is strength five, and it's strength five for I think everything it's strength else. Strength five regular. That's in the FAQ. I think it's strength five regular, and then yeah, ten under the hole or whatever. So that's definitely a good stone thrower. Okay, so then you've got it. It is probably the best basic stone thrower in the yeah. game. It is 90 points. I think it's a little more than a lot of stone throwers, um, isn't it? 
that's about the right a little points. Bit. I mean, it's probably, I mean, it's but right it, it for being in, that higher came strength. In, but. Yeah, it's a little bit higher strength, and it comes with it. I think it's what four crew too. Yeah, you actually get four crew with it. So it's a four wound war machine twos, which makes it a little bit harder. I mean, it's not a fifty-fifty shot to get it cannonballed off in the first turn. <laughs> so that's it's always great when you can have a something like this that you can put on the board, and it takes two cannonballs of your opponent to guarantee they can knock it off the board. Of course, with anything that's a stone thrower that's as random as a stone thrower is on it getting hits, you definitely want to take two of them, not just one. Yeah. So probably. there you're wrapping up 180 points in your rare slot, which only leaves you, you can say, in a 2,000-point game. It doesn't leave you with a lot of points mm-hmm. left for your other really cool rare unit that you want yeah. a bunch of. I think I usually I either have them in a defensive list or I don't have them at all because, like you said, one isn't quite... Enough. One one doesn't do it, and it's kind of hit or miss with them because they hit or miss. <laughs> like yeah, if you're missing with drawer. them, it's like eh, they didn't do anything. But if they hit, it's like awesome when you're hitting these big units. You seek the holy grail. So the other the other rare choice then is you it's get the bestest the of the best. Yep, the best the knights, coolest dudes ever, the bestest knights <laughs> ever. Probably not right anymore. At the they probably don't hold this title in the Warhammer world right no, now. But but they are awesome really sauce. cool. I mean, they're, they're so good that it's just, they're all champions. Yeah. It's they're more like or less unit a unit of, of characters, yeah, or characters even. Oh, not a little under your regular hero choice, but yeah, it's definitely a unit of champions. Is exactly what they are. So it's the Grail Knights, yep. which have the Grail Virtue, Grail Vow, immune to psychology. Or yeah, Grail Vow, they're immune to psych. So. No fear, no terror, no yeah. silliness like Unfortunately, that. Unfortunately, they don't get charge reactions. I would which like to would see sometimes be handy to be able to flee. Unfortunately, as a knight. But yeah, I, th- I guess we I, didn't mention with I, the blessing of a lady, you do lose it when you break from combat or flee. Yeah, and I think uh, here's a unit that I think would do really well when the Grail Virtue. It should change to include stubborn. I think that would be that would crazy. Be, Awesome for yeah. this unit because then all Although, of a sudden they're leader eight stubborn knights with immune to psych. With the stubborn so, crown, it's pretty easy to do that already. Yeah, though. but then you're That's dedicating a, pretty, a character to babysit this unit. They don't, and they need, don't a need where your <laughs> other knight units <laughs> need characters yeah. to survive to support or them. Put your one paladin in there with the crown, and then it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, I want my one paladin with a pe- on a Pegasus flying around, not in my not babysitting my well, real knights that don't one. need it. But yeah, they definitely don't need it. Their weapon skill five, their strength four. They have yeah. two attack spaces, which is awesome ideal for when they get locked in and have to grind. Because uh-huh. at least have a, they at least get the strength four, so they can continue to grind. Yep. Strength six on the charge with those lances and champions to keep just keep challenging out that bad boy demon prince yep. all day long. <laughs> but yeah, I, they're like my favorite unit. They are kind of costly, with thirty eight points each. I've heard that argued that I mean, for what you can get in a regular knights, they don't really make up for. Enough. Some people seem to think, but I, I think I think that might be the case previous. But all of a now, sudden yeah. now, well, the I think the thing that that changes my attitude a bit on these is are the demon princes. Sure, it's particularly the warriors or of chaos, like any unbreakable of those big characters. Yeah. Well, the 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 real one, like I can the dread the dark elf dreadlord. That guy probably isn't going to kill anything. He's just going to get in the way. He's going to be annoying. The there's a couple of other characters, some peg riders, whatever with stubborn crowns, are kind of annoying when they get in the way, whatever. The one that wrecks your face is, that you can deal with with the Grail Knights is the those stupid Nurgle demon princes 
or just any Warriors of Chaos Demon Prince. Worth all those points, just holding them up. You're just saying, like, sit there, challenge them your army. He will literally destroy your army, and you won't, you'll like, ooh, ooh, I got a couple wounds through. Okay, next combat, he just regains his wounds. They're horrible. I mean, mean, horrible, I mean, they're amazing for Warriors of Chaos players, (laughs) but they are really rough to play against and have to deal with. And this is a unit that all of a sudden, challenge, challenge, mm-hmm. challenge, challenge. Okay, I've got two ranks. I got a banner. You killed the knight. Yeah, okay, we're good. <laughs> and yeah, maybe you have to try to find a way to get that stubborn banner in there too. Because they can take a magic banner too, isn't that right? Up to 50 points, yeah. So that so might they be have a, access to quite a lot yeah, of them. They, yeah, you don't, there's not a stubborn there's banner. There's not a stubborn banner. But you, no. you know, you may end up having to find there, a way to get a... Or maybe that's only a questing banner, like being the old magic items. I think there's a quest banner that lets you get an extra dice for a break check, but unfortunately, I think that's only questing knights. But uh, oh, I right. guess you, I guess you would be steadfast until you get down underneath three knights, anyways. Yeah, so, true. so that's that's okay. Steadfast on an eight, if you can keep the BSB around, those those ground knights ain't going anywhere, and they'll hold that demon prince for a long time. Well, I guess that three d six test can be, and then it's only a fifty point on any knights unit. If you so, wanted to, but I don't know. Cold blooded's worth the fifty points or not. Cold blooded <laughs> is amazing every day of the week. If it's cold blooded all the time instead of a one use only, it's yeah. amazing all the time. I wonder if that'd be pretty handy to put on night on the Grail Knights. I never ran it with them. Be, I don't know. I mean, you're not making as many leadership checks. The only place it's coming into place it's is the break, uh, check. break check. Yeah, but that is amazing. Every time you play against Lizard, you're like. Been... You know how reliable Leadership 6 ganks are? They're ridiculously reliable when you have cold-blooded. Yeah, I usually run my general in my Grail Knights just for theme and fun purposes. I mean, that's a really strong unit then. And I've always been really sad when they break. <laughs> because <laughs> all those points just get run down. So it's kind so of, it might be a good play for you I to was throw really that happy in to, there. Yeah, have the Stubborn Crown at least, but... Yeah, that other banner. Stubborn crown with cold blooded banner. Ooh, <laughs> you ain't going. You ain't breaking <laughs> from another combat, boy. Yeah. Night bus. Here we go. Jam some more characters in there. It's a good idea. Eggs all in one <laughs> basket. You two two units of knights. Jam one unit of knights full of characters. Jam the other unit of knights with your you know. So you jam your BSB and your lord in this and your grail knight unit. Pile of night. Grab pile of grail knights like eight or ten, eight or nine of them. Or more, maybe a dozen. Dozens the most. Otherwise, at least nine. Is so, average yep. size knight unit. I'm giant, sure. giant knight bus. Challenge your opponents to take it off. Do denial <laughs> through knight bus. Although, I mean, they are still only one wound each. So, I mean, you only have nine wounds there. If it's you have not something so bad when you're running yeah. your BSB in the front rank or in your your BSB with a one up reroll or two, whatever, two up rerollable, five aboard, you know, ward save. That's one thing with my knights units I've noticed is if they get hit with something hard, there's not very many wounds there. So you end up with half a unit very, very quick and they're not as effective. Yeah, they kind of disintegrate in a hurry. I seem to remember somebody running all my guys off and like turn one with their dark elves. Yeah, that was a, a long that. time I don't ago. Who that was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, turn one before you even had a turn, half your army gone due to panics. It was great. That was. Ridiculous. And in, when I say great, I mean horrible <laughs> for you. I, I mean, I felt really bad about was, that. I mean, was, I've done some uh, really mean things in Warhammer over the days. It wasn't really years. your fault. My knights have never been reliable. Their leadership checks are pretty terrible <laughs> <laughs> when I'm rolling them. All right. So uh, one thing I wanted to, since we're talking about an army book that's really, really old, 
one of the things that I wanted to kind of bring up here is if you were the game designer and you were to make, say, I mean, we've kind of mentioned a couple of changes here or there we'd like to see. If there was one major, you know, one major change rule-wise that you would make in the list, what would that be? You're asking me? Yeah. I don't really know. I like them a lot, as is. I'm actually, well, as far as when they redo them, they usually, it kind of turns me off. So I don't usually expect well, I mean, anything if, good. If, if one thing, if one, so really one thing with the existing list. I got nothing. <laughs> Did you have something? All right. I, I think, Apparently. I think my, I think for me, I, I think the one thing that I would like to see overall, uh, more, more than other units or, or changes like that, as far as rules changes would be just a, a general adjustment of the questing nights to make them a little bit more competitive for points uh, at the, at the special slot to make them make them a little bit more attractive. Just because that's a unit that I've never really seen. I've never even had a reason to go buy the unit because until recently it didn't even get to the point where I even consider buying it and putting it on the table. Yeah, let alone wanting it and that's that's in multiple editions of warhammer now it's a, a little while ago they seemed all right like that's how i ended up with them i mean the guy i got them from was a local guy and kind of retired them and i was very happy to grab them but he usually had them in there quite a bit um i mean they used to be able to stick really well and be hard to kill when we back in the smaller unit days like when 20 man was a big unit or yeah. a normal size unit and he used them quite a bit then but so i i think that would be my one place where I would truly I mean I think there's a, a a points adjustment that needs to go happen across the board. Yeah, I, I was think just there's a lot of that too. I think the characters about the right spot um pretty close. I think they I, could stand to be a little more powerful as far as Yeah. What they could it'd be take. nice. It would be nice to see like a character uh, a peasant character at in in there. It'd be nice peasant to see character. some of the old old uh there's no such special thing. characters come back. <laughs> Yeah, I I think like a I think there's Robin room for Hood like a, a merchant lord or yeah, there's definitely well they used to have the old Robin Hood. I don't remember uh-huh. what they called him, but they're the old Robin Hoodish special character. Yeah, I can't remember. Oh, we got to dig up our really old this Brett book. Awesome sauce. First Brett book. Where did he go? I can't remember. Paul knows his name like right off the bat. Yeah, there's he a bunch him. of them. <laughs> I've got him here somewhere. I've just got to I'd have to dig him out of storage. Was it Bertrand the Brigand? Uh, yeah, that might be him. I think that was him. Or no, that was a different dude, wasn't it? I don't remember. Character. I don't know. These guys are slightly before my time at this point. <laughs> I remember playing the box set that came with the lizard men and the... The Bretts. Bretts. That was my first game. Those were my first Warhammer models, yeah. Yep. So, and I still have them all. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, anyways, I think those are the big changes I'd like to see. Now, that being said, obviously, I think there's a good case or a good argue that when Bratz get redone, that they'll get a new unit, I'm sure. I'm sure they they would have. The list seemed a little short of actual depth in units. Like, there's some pretty good choice at at core, but there's not a... Well, I think they've got a Monsters Cavalry unit. They've got a I War know. Machine. They've kind of got everything that you just about would want. I think they could use. We didn't. Need, we kind of glossed over it, but their Hippogriff mount is not a good monster. It just it's not the caliber of 
the monsters are nowadays. I could see them making that. I think the Empire Hippogriff is actually well, it's, uh, or the Griffin. Griffin rather. I could see it being more like that. That would yeah. be a big change. So I, I think having a big monster kit like that that migrated a little bit more like the Storm of Magic Hippogriff. Yeah. I think that's a and then adjust its points accordingly and come uh-huh. up with a really new. I could a see new, them having a big a, new monster kit. A that. new uh, Lord on monster kit with uh, mm-hmm. in plastic would be really cool. I think the knights are pretty well set. I don't think you'll get any new knight choices, really. And at least nothing I, I can foresee. I don't think but the models I can see... are really worth redoing, even as far as the miniatures. Well, so. anything that's not in plastic currently, I could see yeah. that being redone. I, the one thing I think that now comes to mind as far as new units is I think Bretonians kind of have this. If you look at the trebuchet, it's a kind of a siege engine kind of thing. Yeah. And the men-at-arms kind of fit that siege in. And, and, and one of the things that falls into Bretonian fluff is all of these castles. So they're going to get a castle? And sieges. <laughs> I can't see them getting a castle, but some kind of siege-like engine, like a like some kind of take on a siege tower I could see going into a Brett list. Like something along the lines of like the Hurricaneum and stuff, but a Brett thing? Yeah, something like a, you know, something that they could, you know, use, use uh, in that kind of regards, or something that they could use Something even that makes, like, knights that can assault buildings would be really good. You know, the cavalry models, like, not only the, you know, so they don't, knights don't have to dismount when they assault buildings. They can just What assault. about dismounted questing knights? That was a huge That thing would be, yeah, actually, that would be really time. cool. I remember that dismounted being, like, questing knights, I want yeah. these guys not on their horses, and they'd be freaking awesome. Yeah, dismounted I mean, questing knights would be a knight. Not on any, a horse is kind of doesn't make sense, but yeah, because that's you get into that sieging element uh, that <laughs> that's really strong in the Brett's Brett army, and then all of a sudden, here's how, why don't the Bretts have dismounted knights? Because I think how that would they really siege be fortresses. That would be the spot for questing knights. I think to be if they weren't on their horses, they would that be would be I would take them off insane. the horses. That would, would be really it, good. Makes sense. I think that would give them a really good reason to take them at special. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah, those would be a good unit. I bet. Yep. And then you'd have room to jam another cavalry unit in. So you could do like a dual grail knight kit with and this other cavalry kit. One grail. Yeah, but you could do a kit that's dual <laughs> oh, grail, grail knights saying. with like whatever the other knights are. And you could jam the other knights in at special and then put the questing knights in on foot. And I would be brilliant. That'd Games be Workshop, crazy. I hope you're listening to this because <laughs> I think that's the brill, that's a brilliant fix for, for rats. Yeah, that, I mean, that would be a great addition for sure. Just something to add a new twist, a new yeah. that new book twist that all of the new books have gotten. I think yeah, that'd be something that wouldn't turn me off too. I mean, I think they already have like everything they yeah could possibly need almost. There's, but... there's a pretty good depth. I mean, the core. One of the biggest things that makes an they, army good is having a nice depth at core, and they really do have that. They don't have a ton of choices, but I mean, you got all your areas are pretty well filled with the. List on there the whole. Are good choices at all of the cho- all of the spots. So it doesn't. But it did. The other thing is, it ends up being that a lot of bread armies look pretty much the same as everybody else's bread armies because you uh-huh. everybody has. There's not a lot of diversification in choices. So yeah, I think that's a really good take, though. I think we came up with some some cool ideas and thoughts on what what Bretts could could have going into a new book. So good good scary I'm glad, I, I'm glad i kind of <laughs> caught you on the spot like that because i was i thought there were some good ideas all right I, don't know. I, just, I just always dread a new doing stuff that i like yeah yeah well at some point it's inevitable they're always going to redo books i know but hopefully i'll redo them sorry i i don't, don't 
I know when they like redid it. the VC book the last time, you're like, oh, this is terrible. I don't like this at all. And now they're, you've done it again, and now they've come back a little bit towards at least the direction Where I can you play like what play. I like, but yeah. So, <laughs> you just got to keep playing the army. Sooner or later, they'll make a book that kind of works the way you want it. Yeah, something like that. I can usually get something, but usually what I should, well, like what the best of the best is, is something I don't want to play. Which, I don't know, works out, but it makes for rougher games. <laughs> well, anyways, let's go ahead. We'll take a break here and we'll come back. We'll work on wrapping this thing up. Don't wreck my breaths. <laughs> Okay, folks, today on Conzie's Rant, we're going to go ahead and rant a little bit about True Line of Sight and how some players find the need to push it to its extreme. And what are we talking about exactly with that? We, what we mean is like, uh, I've, and I've seen this with players that are, you know, they'll bury like, like a bolt thrower or something behind, say, a, you know, blo- giant blocks of infantry. And then they turn around and go, oh, well, I based this a quarter inch taller than the rest of my army. Therefore, I have, I can see over my units and have true line of sight to, say, said target. Or the other guy that models his skink so that there's just a bare, half a head and a fin coming out of a pool <laughs> on their base. Or, you know, things like that that, you know... Here, here's my scouting unit. It's all, they're all crawling on their bases rather than standing. So therefore, I've reduced the amount of ability that your models can see is true line of sight. No, I did that because they're skulking around and stalking things by crawling and that's, that's my modeling. Well, it makes sense from a modeling perspective, but it, it really, the idea was, ooh, I have this cool modeling idea because, because I can push the rules of true line of sight for that. And that's, Really unfair gameplay and in really bad sports, in my in my opinion, to do stuff like that, pushing the rule to the limit, and really not something that I, I care for myself. I know that Brian, I know you don't care for it either. Yeah, I kind of brought this up. Thanks for ranting for me. <laughs> yeah, but it, but it is. It's a it's a completely valid. I mean, in I I always I've been disgusted since they, like there's a couple of terrain pieces that really are essentially or near essentially pointless in Warhammer today because of the way True Line of Sight has worked, and that's one the hill, and two the forest. Now at least with a forest you get a little bit you you get dangerous terrain with cavalry and monsters cavalry, so at least you get that. So there's a little bit of a factor there. But with, and, and you do have mysterious forests, you have the, the stupid randomness of a forest now. But the <laughs> hills, 
are just they they they're almost a hundred percent pointless on the table. The only benefit of a hill is you get a hair. You know, say I say I make a one inch blue foam hill. Well, every model darn near in the game can see over the top of it because their head and shoulders sticks out over the top of it, which means they can be seen. So, okay, if your opponent's nice, you give you a cover save out of that. It's our cover modifier for ballistic skill shooting. But then you're like, okay, well, I'm charging over the hill, so, oh, yeah, I get a plus one of combat res. And unless I'm using, using something like a scree slope or something like that, the hill has no effect otherwise on the game. Uh, it, it really is just something that makes moving my models cumbersome and, and hard to do. Yet, when you look at warfare, whether it's ancient, you know, medieval battles or modern battles, high ground and hills are these invaluable points on the battlefield. In, in Warhammer, because of true line of sight, the hill is res- regulated to near pointlessness. I mean, I love the Adepticon terrain. It all looks cool, but they have every table gets two hills, and those are the worst hills ever to play on because they've got them. They're they're nice and smooth rounded, and you're when you have an infantry tray or a movement tray that's got a smooth plastic bottom on hard sand rounded slopes. All it does is just slide off, and you can't keep you can't do accurate positioning or movement on them. And they add no, their basic hills. They add nothing to the game other than a plus one charge bonus. And because they're they're actually gradually sloped rather than the hard slopes. That's the other thing. Uh, you know, true line of sight. Woohoo! Wait a minute. Everybody's hill are these one and two inch pieces of foam with that go up almost straight vertically and then co- and then have flat tops. That's not what an actual hill looks like at all. <laughs> yeah, I think hey, the scale so, of hills is not true to real life, and maybe that's what it would take for it to... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all of a sudden, you have to have a true scale hill on the table, which is larger than what the terrain reference says in the book, uh-huh. and, and or whatever you're going to find in anybody's game store and hobby shop, because no other game use, needs a true scale hill on the table to make sense. But yeah, I mean, hills should be uh, places of critical... Uh, critical points and, and you need uh, better line of sight mechanics you don't need true line of sight is kind of I think a lazy man's way of, of doing things and it allows for the players to really kind of manipulate and break the system and to use the system to their best effect in ways that really aren't believable and you know I kind of ranted about hills and I've kind of ranted about true line of sight here so maybe a couple double rant here but really <laughs> it comes down to the 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 true line of sight rules make the rules for hills very bad and hills you know and make some other things some situations for modeling bad that people can model things up in a certain way to try to oh hey well my guy stands this guy stands a quarter inch taller because he's on a quarter inch piece of cork and the uh, my my infantry blocks not well and in real real life you would take that bolt shot right over your guy's heads to (laughs) yeah it just doesn't it it doesn't make sense Uh, yeah or you'd thread the needle between your units that half inch. A bolt can fit through there. Yeah, we then, can, we and can and hit that, them. And then conveniently, <laughs> that quarter inch rock walks around the table field with them too. So he's always standing on that quarter inch rock when yep. you move that bolt. When you had to walk that bolt thrower four inches or five <laughs> inches away. So yeah, I mean, there's just there's a number of little quirky, frustrating things that end up happening with true line of sight that just aren't 
it, it just isn't conductive to uh, a positive game experience that I know the effort was to try to simplify the rules, but I think it's an oversimplification that leads to kind of some shady gameplay perspectives and, and opportunities that you could have actual rules that would make a difference otherwise in that. So anyways, that's Quincy's rant. Uh, try to avoid shady in- instances in your games with true line of sight and everybody will have a better gaming experience. Okay. What do we talk about today, Brian? Awesome sauce nights. We talked about the Bretonian Knigets. And all the things that come with them in a Bretonian army. Yeah. Yeah. There's some men at arm chumps. Nobody cares about peasants. those. Peasants. peasants. We don't care about them. <laughs> Neither do the brats. Neither do the knights. They don't care about no stinking peasants. But uh, on top of that, we went ahead and and chatted a lot about it. We just kind of recapped a bunch of games and hobby we did today in the last few weeks because it's been, you know, one of the things you've kind of noticed here, guys, is that uh, uh, we've kind of spaced out the shows a little more uh, in the last few weeks, and that's due, it's just been to, one, I've been going to a lot of events, and two, it's been a little bit more difficult to try to get uh, everybody together to try to record. And when I mean everybody, I mean pretty much just Brian and I. So uh, apologize if you've been kind of wanting to hear us twice a month. Uh, summer's been kind of brutal here. I know Brian's had a little more time than normal, but it's uh, you know, we're going to probably be at a, an episode a month here for our, at least the near time future while we kind of sort some other things out internally to Wisco Dice to to not not for the don't worry not for anything like the future of the show or anything like that but just trying to sort out our internal schedules and when we can record and and how editing is being done myself trying to edit two shows a month plus is uh i just don't have time for that right now without having to choose to back off somewhere else so we're going to go ahead and work on one show a month and try to work in an extra one here and there when we can i wanted to go ahead and point out extra life if you haven't heard of Extra Life or you didn't listen to our shows when we were doing this, when Paul and I did Extra Life last year, it's a 24-hour gaming marathon. Uh, we started like whenever, I don't think they officially started at like 10 a.m. or something like that last year and, and went for 24 hours. And people that sign up to do this, um, I know I'm doing it and I'm doing it for Team Cranky again. And our goal is to raise money for local hospital charities, local children's hospitals, in this case, I'm working for the Children's Hospital of Wisconsin. So we're going to do it. I'm doing it again. It's going to be great. So I'm, I'm not sure what the details are, but you can go ahead and, and go ahead and donate some cash at, te- at Team Cranky and at your favorite host at Wisco Dice. Let's show them what, what we can do with Wisco Dice Power. Everybody that goes out and downloads this episode donates $1, just $1 US dollar to Ben's Team Cranky of uh, Extra Life campaign uh, that should more than happily hit all of my cash generation goals. And thanks to everyone again last year who helped me way over exceed my goal and what I had set originally. I appreciate it so much. It was thank you very much for doing that. Okay, so what are we working on next few weeks here, Brian? I just got continuation of the things I've got going on. Uh, the ghouls, paint more ghouls. I'll probably have those five finished, I'm sure, by the time next time we meet up for a cast. Uh, I'll still be assembling more Menoth. I'll probably, I think I'm gonna grab a unit, uh, errant exemplars. 
after I finish the Night Simpler I got going right now. And that'll probably be all I got going for work. All right. And probably play some games in here. I'm making both game nights, Tuesdays for Warhammer and Wednesdays for, uh, is my War Machine night. So. Well, that's play good. Play some games. That's good. That's good. I'm definitely wanting to go ahead and, and obviously there's the, the game, the, the regular game nights. Uh, I've got Invasion Kenosha and Raj Podge both on my palette here at the end of July. So we're going to have a blast of both of those. Invasion Kenosha, my plan is to bring the Tomb Kings again. And 2,000 points at Invasion Kenosha, I think that, that should help me a little bit. And the pod system, depending on how I fall in the pods, that hopefully will help me a little bit to overcome some of the... I'll either get a friendly pod that will play to me, or I'll get a bad pod and I'll just sit on the bottom. And then uh, I guess uh, I've got some... I mean, all these other games, those are the events I'll be at. And then I've got, hobby-wise... I've got a pile of half-started uh, my elves for Kings of War. I've got 20 elves with spears on the table. I want to get them finished up. I've got uh, eight more warrior bugs that I want to finish up. I'd like to get the rest of my warrior bugs built, actually, um, so I could just have all 20 of those painted up, uh, hopefully sometime in the next month or so. And I finally picked up another War Sphinx kit. Holy cow. Yep, so I'm up to, I own five of those things now. And <laughs> That's so crazy. My next War Sphinx, I want to spend a lot of time on the conversion work to do this kind of more uh, kind of scenic base with uh, the Sphinx kind of maybe rearing up or something like that. I think there's a Getting lot of- ready to do a Thunder Crush attack on a, yeah. on a unit is basically the idea. And, uh, I have, uh, I have some real thoughts on how I'm going to do it, but I needed the instructions from an actual, I don't, <laughs> all the worst Sphinxes I own, not a single one of them do I have the instructions for assembly. So I went and bought a fifth one, which I wanted to have anyways, just so I could get the instructions for assembly so I can look at how to assemble one and how the bits all go together. And I could kind of figure it out without the instructions but it's just safer this way to make sure that as i'm doing the conversion and reposing and repositioning parts of the model that i don't end up with something well whoops i forgot this put to put this piece on and now it doesn't really go in so i that's kind of a uh project i don't know if i'll have that done by the next time we record but that's a lot of work i want to do and then I've got a bunch of Flames of War stuff I want to work on. I've got a engineering company I want to do here, or an engineering, yeah, I think it's a company. Anyways, it's four B, four bases of engineers and a command and a mortar squad and a couple of trucks. So I want to get that painted up. That'll give me another 150 points or so. I think I'm going to get 1,200 points of painted rifle company right now for either 29th or 2nd Infantry Americans. So that'll be exciting. I'm hopefully going to free up some of my Wednesday nights so I can get down to Flames of War night at, at last at the last square too. So that'll be exciting. Okay. So that being said, I think that's uh, just about everything we've got um, hobby wise for the two of us, hobby and gaming wise, that we're going to try to get done and be able to talk about next time. Yep. Yep. Um, let's go ahead and how do you catch our site? Where do you, where do you find the Wisco Dice info, Brian? Uh, we got our website. 
Yep, you can find us at WiscoDice.com. WiscoDice.com. That was WiscoDice.com. You can download the show there. Yep, you can download the show. You can or catch on our, iTunes. Catch our blogs. I've actually been. i actually added a couple Ooh. of blogging articles to this. I'm going to try. I think I think this is something we've been. We said, yeah, we're going to do the blogs. And we started the blogs. And we put some stuff up. And then it kind of sat for a few months. And that's our bad. Yeah. But I think one of the goals we're going to do here is that every month, um, we're going to put up between the two of us. We'll put up two new blog articles every month. So I, it'll be range from anything from stuff we're working on, uh, game tactics, painting, painting tutorials, that kind of thing. So I put up a couple of. You can check in the cozy section. There's a couple of new blog articles there if you hadn't already checked it out. One of them about talking about painting red actually. So it might be a great if you're had a struggle or had a hard time with that. Great opportunity to check that out and, and get some tips. Uh, so definitely check out the Wisco Dice website at wiscodice.com. Great place to find out. And you can get all of the, all of the other links and every, all the other material that you were talking about is all listed there, including links to our YouTube channel. Uh, we've got, I think, four videos up now and, and hopefully plan sometime this month yet to, I would like to shoot a, either a battle report or, uh, get a paint day together and do some, and do some painting videos. So something like that we want to try to get done here this month yet, uh, as well. And then of course I'll be, I'll be going to Gen Con. So we'll take the video camera right on with me to Gen Con too and shoot some Gen Con video there. Mm. You can also catch us on iTunes, Stitcher Smart Radio, Blackberry Podcasts. If there's any place that you're looking for us in any kind of, our RSS feed repository kind of place like those, and you don't see us listed, pop in, let us know at hosts at wiscodice.com. Let us know everything at hosts at wiscodice.com. Yeah, you can just let us know everything. You don't have to just <laughs> let those things, but you can let us know anything you have, any information or questions or comments about the shows or whatever. You can send them, send them right on to that email account. Brian and I watch it, and we'll, we'll happily reply back and whatever, and if there's something that we can do to fix or change or or add or just hear your positive and or or your feedback anyways we about like what know happened. how awesome we are we do <laughs> uh please also leave us reviews and all of those when you do find our podcast on those on those sources like itunes please leave us a review it's very helpful i enjoy reading them myself uh they're they're always it's always a pleasure and it always helps us uh let other people know about the show. So we definitely want you to try to leave those reviews. Uh, you can also catch us on all of the social media types, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Google Plus. We're there. Just find us and find all the specifics at wiscodice.com. And uh, again, we mentioned the email, but that that really we really do like it when you guys email us in. It's it's very cool and makes us feel special. <laughs> <laughs> I like Jules. Like my little guy, like my dude. Yeah, this bass, and he's on my little high archer bass, and I, I have him. I have my little bolt throwers. They're always like a quarter inch higher than everybody else, and I just do that because it's awesome and it works. I don't care if it pisses Brian off. <laughs> I beat him all the time, anyways. Because <laughs> yeah, I am the best Warhammer player ever. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes. You guys, you guys. Ah. <laughs> well, what a jerk. <laughs> that jerk face. <laughs> I think he's gonna. He's soon to be done with the show if he keeps insulting us like that. 
I think that's the first he insulted me. What a jerk. Uh, he's usually my buddy, man. Now yeah. he's pulling that stupid bolt throw crap. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> that, uh, he's very irritating. Well, me and him will have to have a talk. <laughs> In the parking lot. God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I'll end up with two black eyes. So, all right. Thanks a lot, folks, for listening. Stay classy. Peace out. Start. Did you get that? Yeah. <laughs> oh. All right.